WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Oi. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. What was supposed to be the start of a fun weekend for a high school marching band quickly turned terrifying and tragic. The marching band from Farmingdale High School in Nassau County had been headed to Pennsylvania for the weekend when the bus crashed off the side of the highway near Waywanda. And here is what the investigation says to us. We know that two adults are dead, including the band director. At last check, five other people are in critical condition. The preliminary investigation shows a front tire likely blew on the bus. The only advice I can give to anybody tonight is hug your children very tight. Life is very precious. And our kids started out today thinking they were going to have a wonderful weekend with their friends. Ukraine's President Zelensky is in Washington his day packed with high-stakes meetings, including with President Biden and members of Congress, all to win support and funding for his country's ongoing war against Russia. Mr. President, it's an honor to welcome back to the White House and the Oval Office. And earlier right. this week at the U.N. General Assembly, I made it clear that, made it clear. Uh, what? that no nation can be truly secure in the world if, in fact, we don't stand up and the freedom of Ukraine. And that will take us to triple zeros on the clock. So the 49ers go on the road around Pittsburgh, beat the Rams, long trip for the, the Giants, go to Arizona. At least they pulled out a miracle win. They go to one and one now, they're one and two, and get to fly home and Dave all gets to, to walk into his house at 6.30 in the morning with the six kids. I spoke to a, a, a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg, who I had not ever spoken Don't to before. Interview it. And we used to work in the same building, and I was like, how is it possible we've never even bumped into each other? Like, when I worked at All My Children, that's where that broadcast center is. And I was like, how have we never spoken to each other before? Anyway, he, too, has written a book, and he was giving my book such props. And I said, you know, I'm going to give your book, I'll give it a plug on my show, because I talk show. Yeah, you got a show. Yeah, you're not the only This one. is like a radio show on TV, right? In fairness, I have not read his book yet because I just got it this morning because I ordered it on Amazon because I went to the bookstore. It wasn't there, so I had to order it. Right. So it just came this morning. I'm so grateful to have it. But it's called Citizens United, and I promised him I would hold it up on the air, and I will read it, but I haven't read it yet. Um... Uh, and I think it's a lot of from Audrey was trying to read it quickly backstage. She said you were trying to read the whole book backstage. Well, okay. it, Audrey's a fast reader, and I was like, I, I haven't read it yet. I just got it this morning. I literally downloaded the box. So she said that it's uh, uh, you, you said that it's his life story with sports and like wellness and fitness, pop culture references. And his opinion on everything. Yes. Okay. Unvarnished opinion. Okay, good. Okay, good. Well, I will let you know about it after I read it.
beauty, no doubt about it. This is a tombs. She's a beauty at 6.08 on your Friday morning holiday weekend coming up. I guess. I don't know. There's no more miserable holiday in any religion than Yom Kippur. I mean, none. My God, is it awful. But I celebrate it, and I'm going to go back upstate for the second consecutive weekend to my mom up there in Kanyanga slash White Lake, about six miles outside of Monticello, and spend time with uh, Naomi and my sister Ray Sherry, my brother-in-law Albert, my sister Alana, my brother-in-law Harry, my sister Elizabeth, my brother-in-law Michael. We'll break the fast together Monday and make it back on Tuesday. So don't forget, folks, I'm taking four days here. I mean, Saturday and Sunday I'm off anyway, but I'll be off Monday and Tuesday as well. So the next time you get Big Sid back on radio will be Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. It's a big deal. My father, Harvey, God rest his soul, miss him desperately. Gone now just over three years. Died in July of 2020. Used to blow the show far at our small temple in Kanyanga Lake. And, um, well, I miss him horribly every day, but especially this time of year. So that uh, that's coming up on Monday. But you heard that open, once again, put together by Justin Ellick. All the news that fit to print that awful bus crash. Two ladies are dead and... Bunch of kids got uh, hurt, too. Thank God. I don't believe any of the kids were hurt seriously. But the band leader, who all the kids love, that woman died on this bus yesterday. And when I first saw the pictures, I was watching Channel 5 uh, last night because I knew that the Giants were going to be on Channel 5. I know it was on Amazon Prime with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet and Kaylee Hartung and that whole crew. But it was on Channel 5 locally. So I was watching that, and I, and I like Tina Servasio. She's very good. Uh, Fox 5 here in New York and uh, WFAN girl as well. And then I saw this picture of the bus. It almost looked like a prop in a movie. I mean, the bus is literally, was literally, up in the trees. I don't even know how the hell that happened. Reports are it looks like that bus blew a front tire. And then, of course... There was debris scattered all over the road, and by those bushes, you saw backpacks and knapsacks, and it was really an unbelievable sight. And again, with two people dead and all these kids knocked around, it turned out to be an awful tragedy. This was a trip that Farmington, uh, Farmingdale High School makes every year. I guess they go to Pennsylvania, where they practice, and the band gets involved in, I don't even know the specifics, that's why Noam Layden, our news director, gets the big money, and he's here to tell me exactly what's going on with that. There's a good chance I will have Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman on this morning. Let me tell you the type of guy I am, which is hard for me to believe, trust me. I'm not bragging. It's surreal for me. But when Audie Idala has a fundraiser for Mayor Eric Adams last night, and the mayor texts me, which he did for the first time since August 1st, Since August 1st, Sid Rosenberg and Mayor Eric Adams spoke to each other. And I'll get to those specifics later. And right after I speak to the mayor, I get Bruce Blakeman on, the Nassau County executive, with this tragedy. Again, not bragging, but it does go to show you that I may be the most important person at this point in New York. Like, the most important person. Is that that crazy, Noam, or is that possible? 
Uh, you know, I would think maybe you are the man. You are the man. I think that's possible. It yeah. is, right? Of course. I mean, Lou didn't even roll his eyes, and I'm so used to Lou rolling his eyes, but Lou was like, yeah, I guess you are, bitch. I mean, basically, right? Yeah. That's exactly what I wrote down, too. How did you figure that out? No. I'm good. Yeah. No, uh, I, the yes is the right answer. Yes is the right answer. Yeah. Thank good, you, Lou. Good. How about that? Thank you. So let's get to this. What is the uh, the latest on this tragedy? Because I do want to get to the Kelly Ripper story. So what's going on in with this bus crash? This Well, the bus crash took place. It was about 1.20 yesterday afternoon, way we under, which is up in Orange County. They were on their way to Greeley, Pennsylvania, where, where this band camp was set to take place. About 40 kids on the bus, uh, four adults, two of them uh, killed. One was a retired teacher. The other one uh, you were talking about was this beloved band director. I think the retired teacher was 77 years old. That is correct. And I believe there were six buses in all. It was not just one bus. No, it was the entire band. Um, this teacher who was killed, the school band director, 43-year-old Gina Pelletieri, one of these teachers that you probably had somewhere during your school life just beloved everybody loved this teacher um uh tragic uh she was killed in the crash had a two-year-old at home single mom and um just heartbreaking you heard some of the kids uh over during the news hour and during the course of the morning you'll hear them as well just beside themselves well play some of that right now because i don't know if i have that uh in my audio spots so before i get to uh something as insignificant as kelly uh, if you have some of those, uh, fire more from your desk there. No. Yeah, this is, uh, let's see, here we go. Everybody's pretty distraught right now. Doing as best as I could. Yeah. Just dealing with it, I guess. I cried and hugged her. We all cried and hugged her. Her little brother's happy to see her. And we thank God that she's back with us. And I know her grandpa was watching over her from heaven. What's going to become of our band? It's been such a big part of my high school career for our director not to be here anymore it's never something I would expect who who would take her place I don't even know if that's possible Mm. I I really would like to go on my senior year but seeing as things are right now I'm not so sure yeah so that's one of the kids in the band just tragic uh, talking about Gina Pelletieri uh, and uh, the school is trying going to have to try to figure out how to soldier on. But meanwhile, you have five students that are still in the hospital in the Hudson Valley. As of last night, uh, they were we were told they were in critical condition. Unfortunately, unable to get an update as of this morning. But I imagine as the hours wear on, we'll get an update for how those students are doing. And and the thought is that this bus crash took place. The initial thought is it was a blown front tire, and this bus then bus then tumbled off of I eighty four. May have rolled a couple of times and uh, they pulled this bus up last night. They'll do a full investigation, try to figure out exactly what took place. All right, well, thank you. We'll go back to you all morning long on this. And again, we have efforted Bruce Blakeman to stop by the program today. You also heard some audios of Lensky and Biden at the White House. Biden, just a rambling fool, but we've got a whole bunch of audio we'll play this morning about that. But the uh, the last story you heard, well, the Giants, too. I mean, the Giants are just a bad football team. That's the bottom line. They, got, they have no weapons, nobody. Barkley, when he's out there, is a legitimate weapon, but he's not out there. So you're not going to scare any opposing defenses with Darren Waller and Paris Campbell and Matt Breda. You're just not. And I know Daniel Jones deserved the money he got based on the market, right? You go, $40 million, he's not that good. You're right, he's not. He's not. Okay, what kind of year he had last year? But based on the market, he got the right money. 
But he ain't good enough, Daniel Jones, to win these games by himself with a lousy offensive line and very little weaponry. And the Giants have basically been awful. You know, uh, they were down at halftime last night to San Francisco, 17-6. to And all Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit kept saying was, this is the best the Giants have played in the first half all year. And they're right. When you consider that week one against Dallas, they were down 26 nothing at halftime. And week two in Arizona, they were down 20 to nothing at halftime. In the three games so far this year, the Giants have been outscored in the first half 63 to 6. 63 to 6. So just a little better is tip boy. Ricky Gold is going to stop by today. The 49ers were a seven point first half favorite last night. I'm a giant fan. I know it. If you didn't bet the Niners in the first half, then you're an idiot because they did cover. And when the Giants host Seattle, Monday Night Football coming up in about 11 days, you have to seriously consider the Seahawks in the first half because the Giants haven't proven yet that they come out of the locker room ready to play in the first half. 63-6 to between Dallas, Arizona, and San Francisco. But you did hear from Kelly Ripon. Now, if you guys have been listening long enough, that was one of the greatest moments in our show's history. Kelly Ripper was on on a Friday promoting her book, Live Wire, months and months and months ago, last September, when my last book, Citizens United, had just come out. And in the course of our conversation about her book, I brought up my book, and Kelly was so cute and so nice, and she said, I'll tell you what, Sid, with her three million viewers, three million every day, Ryan Seacrest was still there. She goes, I'm going to hold up your book on Monday morning. I said, come on. So I had the young lady, I forgot her name already, run the book over to Rockefeller Center. It was a Friday afternoon so that Kelly would have it Monday morning. And we talked all weekend long on social media Is Kelly Ripper going to follow through? And the overwhelming percentage of Sid fans said, no way. She won't do it. You know, they get involved in the politics. Some of you listeners out there, you're really impossible. It's, 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 it's annoying to me. You know, I get annoyed by that. Oh, she's a liberal. I don't care. My God, I don't care. She's a liberal. She won't do it. Ba, ba, ba. So sure enough, that Monday morning, months and months ago, we have the TV on in the newsroom, and me and Lou and Noam and Justin are watching it, and the show starts with Kelly Ripper and Ryan Seacrest, and right in front of Kelly, on that desk, on TV, was my book. And we're like, oh, my God, there it is. But is she going to pick it up? Is she really going to hold it up for the millions watching at home in the United States? And she did. She did it. Now. Uh, just to um, to let you know what happened there, folks, if you didn't watch it, as she's doing that, her current host at the time, now her host is her husband, her co-host, Mark Consuelos. But back then it was Ryan Seacrest. Seacrest literally folds his arms, sits back in his chair, rolls his eyes, and stares at the ceiling. He looked miserable. And then at one point, Kelly Ripper actually goes to the producer live on TV and goes, hey, you read the book. And the producer looked just as miserable as Seacrest. So, long story short, Art Sears, the guy that books all of my celebrity guests, for the most part, him and Sid, but mostly Art, he contacts me two days ago. He goes, I have Kelly back for you. 
I said, Art, are you sure? <laughs> Not because Kelly didn't have a great time on this show. She did, and she was great on her own show about me. But watching Seacrest and watching the producer and knowing, of course, they're surrounded by these liberals. I mean, Good Day New York, Channel 5, I'm banned. I can't even get on that show. And Rosanna Scotto loves me, loves me. I can't get on. I'm thinking to myself, this ain't going to happen. You know, Gelman loves me, too. Gelman has been on this show a bunch of times. He was on this year during the Academy Awards when Kelly and Ryan had that special show out in California. So I know I've got Kelly on my side. I know I've got Gelman on my side. But I still said to Art, I go, this ain't going to happen. He said, oh, boy, okay, I didn't realize it. Let me see what happens. So sure enough, (laughs) I get a text last night about 8 o'clock from Art Sears, and he says, I'm sorry, but Kelly's publicist just canceled the interview. Now, at that point, I already contacted Chad Lopez, Gina, Doug, Stephanie, all my social media people, and they were putting up these social media posts about Kelly Ripper coming back. And sure enough, I was right. Canceled 8 o'clock last night. So I'm watching the Giant game. I got the one eye open. I'm falling asleep. And my phone buzzes at about 9.30, and it's Art Sears. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world could he be texting me about now? And what he texted me was, it seems that Kelly Ripper, folks, if you love me and you don't love her now, you never will. Kelly Ripper told the publicist, Sid is great. I love his show. I want to promote my book on his show. And Kelly herself made sure the interview was back on and she's going to be here at 930 this morning. How great of a story is that, Noam Layden? That is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Kelly herself told them, because the publicist said, well, last time he didn't do a great job promoting the book. And you heard Kelly in the audio go, he was doing such a good job with my book, I felt compelled to promote his. The publicist lied. Of course they did a great job. And Kelly's like, I want to go back on. So despite the people around her, the Sid haters, Kelly Ripper makes her return at 930. And like her or not, that is a major, major superstar. Major. Is that not right, no? Uh, it doesn't get a whole lot bigger than Kelly Ripper. No, it no. doesn't, does it? No. I'm going to play this back for the two of you. <laughs> now, what is this? <laughs> it doesn't get bigger than Kelly yeah. Ripper. Oh, you don't think she's the queen of daytime television? That, okay, that's daytime. She makes $25 million a year, Lewis. Yeah, I, I understand that. I agree with that. She's huge. Okay, I agree with I that. I mean, not. You disqualified it. That's good. <laughs> she's yeah. one of the most recognizable people on TV. Oh, yes. I think so, for sure. Definitely. Dating all the way back to her days on All My Children and her and Regis and uh, Michael Strahan and Ryan Seacrest and now her husband. She's uh, she's my friend. I never thought I would ever say, <laughs> shut up, Louis. She's my friend. She's my friend. <laughs> okay. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I know you're on a regular text. So let me just say this, and here's the moral of this first uh, segment, or at least the theme of it. I get a text from Mayor Eric Adams. I'm on the phone with Bruce Blakeman after a um, a big news story on Long Island. Tragic, nevertheless. And uh, Kelly Ripper is my friend. So, 
<laughs> I think you can't count her as a friend until you and see if you can do this today. Get an invite to her Upper East Side townhouse. Well, one time I bumped into her by accident at Soul Cycle on 83rd Street and 2nd Avenue, right by her Upper East Side townhouse. And I did go see the Mayweather Pacquiao fight in Las Vegas at MGM with Mark Consuelos, her husband. And at the time, their son was very, very young. So there is some interaction oh, there. That's but. very close. Yeah, we're wow. close. Yeah. That is close. Shut you know, I live in you New York. You are so jealous. Trump has lived in New York. <laughs> I can say we're friends. Yeah. Actually, I've been to Florida, too. So we're even That's great. Oh, we, we, we've, we were in the same state. You yeah, know what? Here's great. what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask her flat out this morning, later on today. You're not going to want to miss okay. this. Are we friends or not? Okay. Because the guys on my show laugh when I say, Kelly, you and I are friends. Friends, I tell you what. Here's what I will do: Kelly Ripper and Sid Rosenberg will have dinner next week at Rosanna Scotto's place, Fresco, and that'll put all these doubters like you, Lewis, to rest. Okay. How about that? I'll take that bet. Easy. You and say no? No, and I'll lay the points too. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big guest that's coming up today. You know the Democrats are freaking out that my guy Donald Trump, another friend of mine, is heading to Detroit. To meet with the United Auto Workers, we'll talk unions with a former union leader, Norman Seabrook, live in studio, coming up at 645. Curtis Sliwa, live in studio, 705. Andrew Giuliani, coming up at 740. The man himself, John Katsimatidis, he'll be here at 810. Joseph Takapina, he'll be here at 840. Dr. Mark Siegel, he's coming up at 910. And the aforementioned Kelly Ripper. She'll be here at 9.30. It's a huge Friday guest list on the number one talk show in New York City. Sid and Friends in the morning, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Now, even as the Evolver institutions we drive creative new partnerships, let me be clear. Certain principles of our international system are sacrosanct. Thirty-three on your Friday morning here in New York City. 
And Joan is still alive, so I know it's not a heavenly birthday. Thank God for her. So it must be Joan Jett's birthday today. Is that right, Lou Rafino? You've got it. Friend, oh, how old is she? <laughs> yeah, I am a friend of Kelly. That's right. How old is she today? 65. 65. All right. I used to like um, Pinky Tuscadero on Happy Days. She reminded me of Joan Jett. I think I like Pinky more, but Joan is a pretty good talent, yes? Yes. she in the Hall of Fame? Yes, I think she is. I think she is. And recently, yes. maybe even just last year. But uh, Joan Jett, she go not hot, though. You probably think she is. No, I, I, no. No, I, don't, I don't think she's hot. I yeah. admire her because she's... She's Joan Jett. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, it's like you bang her because she's Joan Jett. Yeah. You, yeah. You'll just you walk on nails because it's Joan <laughs> yeah. Jett, I guess. Right. This is a good song, too, no? Um, good, Very good, yes. Yeah. You know this, uh, this Kathy Hochul? She's a horrible governor. We know that. I mean, horrible. Horrible. Didn't realize when my friend, uh, another friend, Lee Zeldin, lost to her. How disastrous. Well, I knew. But how disastrous it was going to be for this state. Disastrous. But I'll tell you something else about her. No, does Kathy Hochul have kids? I believe she does, right? I think, she, I think does. she does. I think they're older, though. Yeah, but she's got kids. She's married, the whole thing, you know. The woman. And, um,. She's talking yesterday, play this, I guess at the site or maybe not at the site, but about this horrible bus crash. These poor kids from Farmingdale High School, which did result in uh, two ladies dying, including the band teacher who everybody loved, you know. So let me play this. This is uh, Kathy Hochul on the deadly bus crash in Orange County. Lewis, this is cut number 20. And then I'll make my point about this witch. Imagine the fear. The screams in the aftermath when these high school students, many of them freshmen, were surrounded by this chaos. So I'm watching this, you know, and she's really trying, like, really hard to be emotional and the fear and the screams and the chaos. And I'm watching her face. And let me tell you what I got from Kathy Hochul. One word. You ready? Nothing. I got nothing. I didn't feel like she was sincere. I didn't feel like she cared. I didn't feel like she was heartbroken. I saw Bruce Blakeman speak, and I believed him. Obviously, the children were were heartbreaking. But the governor spoke, and I got nothing. Maybe it's just me. Look, I, I admit, she is past the point of no return for me. She can find the cure for cancer tomorrow, and I would still be critical of her. I'm being honest. I can't stand her. I find her to be detestable. But I watched her yesterday, and I and I, got, I got nothing. I didn't feel like she was all that broken up or, or even cared. She was just kind of reading a speech. So you tell me, Norm, am I being too hard on the governor? What do you guys feel the same way I do, which is she gives you nothing, nothing. You know, in that moment, I have had the same reaction you did. That oh, good. You didn't need to describe to us what the kids might have felt right. as that bus rolled over. Stupid Leave that to that. the kids. To tell right. Us. The kids, the chaos, the fear. You know, who does that? My heart goes out today to the families of whoever this teacher was, this other lady, 
I'm a mom, too. I couldn't even imagine what it would be like going to pick my kid up. Or There are so many ways to go about this. And the way she did it was awful. And, again, the emotion, it just wasn't there. I believe, to be honest, she's a psychopath, which makes sense because the guy that she replaced, Andrew Cuomo, is also a psychopath and a sociopath. He can go on CNN with his idiot brother Chris and joke around about people dying on COVID and then the very next day collect $5 million. So it only makes sense that a psycho like Andrew Cuomo would surround himself with a psycho like Kathy Hochul. But that's what I got. I mean, I got absolutely, like looking in, in Jeffrey Dahmer's eyes or Ted Bundy, and I'm not equating her necessarily to a, a serial killer, but she's damn close. It's in her eyes, right. She's got there. nothing there. You know, it's va- it's vacant. It's robotic. You get, you get the same thing? Of course. Well, in everything she does, anything she does, no matter what the tragedy is or what the event is that's going on, she does not come off as... Um, Translating passion, not at all, or, co- yeah. or compassion, actually, yeah. and that's I think that's one of her big issues. Right. So it comes off as New Yorkers see her, and they like you don't care about the city, but New Yorkers don't care. She did the same thing when that lunatic shot up the subway. Oh, she could. Oh, uh, Frank James. Yeah. Oh, yes. she was actually she was annoyed that day. I know she came. And like, she, she like had to leave a yoga class or something. Weird. You're like yelling at everybody, yeah. and it's like it was like mad. And, yeah. But New Yorkers don't care because if New Yorkers cared that a person like this could never win. So they don't care, New Yorkers. I mean, look, I love this city. I love my job. There's nothing like doing radio in New York City. I've been on at one point over 110 markets between Sports Fan Radio Network and Westwood One on my own. Forget about Imus. On my own. I've traveled the country. I used to go to these little markets across Wisconsin, Kansas City. Not a little market, but I went there and did shows from that city and Texas, and Florida, and Clarksville, Tennessee, believe it or not. I traveled this country. Nothing like doing a show in New York City. Nothing. But the people who live here got to be the dumbest bastards that God ever created. I just don't get it. Time and time again. And they're Jewish, a lot of them, too. My own people are (laughs) effing idiots. They're morons. I can't even end the show today by wishing most of my people... Uh, an easy fast, and uh, and a Lashana Tova because my own people are the ones ruining this city. They're the idiots that vote for people like Alvin Bragg and Kathy Hochul. The Jews in big numbers, they still vote Democrat. They don't care. They don't care if, if Talib and AOC and all these Jew haters, Jew haters, they don't care if they dance on a rabbi's grave. They're going to vote Democrat. Assholes. Anyway. Well, they should follow Dove Hyken, then. Yeah, Dove switched. Yes. Listen to him. Bruce Blakeman uh, will join us at 7.30. He just texted me. So that uh, brings us to a very action-packed 7 o'clock hour with Curtis Sliwa, who's going to have to be quicker today. Bruce Blakeman and Andrew Giuliani. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you got to be quicker. Yeah. you got to be quicker. Because okay. right. Curtis has nothing to yell at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, he's upset about so many things. Right. Uh, the Vespers and Audie Idala. Now the mayor texted me. Yeah, and a lot. 
right, sure. There's a lot there. Yeah, yeah. That'll, that good luck shutting him up. That should go over well. <laughs> right. go. Just Bye. tell the elephant to stop eating the right. peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got uh, traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next. Have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Then we have the former president of the Union for Correction Officers, Norman Seabrook, live in studio. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from the Rita Cosby Show. Here, Rita talks about Joe Biden. He seemed to focus on the biggest threat out there, that is climate change. Uh, is there anybody out there who thinks that that is literally, as we're seeing massive protests outside of the U.N., there were thousands upon thousands of people talking about the leading sponsor of terrorism around the world. That's the state of Iran. You got that. You got all the migrant crisis that's just a few blocks away from President Biden. Literally, they're at the Roosevelt Hotel, which is about four avenues away from where President Biden's speaking. He's not talking about that. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Boilers, my God, Giants. Show there's quite a bit of distance and on-field product between them and one of the NFC's top dogs in the San Francisco 49ers. Losing last night to San Fran by score 30-12 to on Thursday Night Football to drop to 1-2 and two so far on the year. With the running game hampered by the absence of injured star Saquon Barkley in the offensive line overmatched without left tackle Andrew Thomas and left guard Ben Bredesen, the uh, Giants struggled to move the ball at all and finish with only 150 yards of offense. Simply put, against a team like the Niners, that kind of production is going to end up in a loss nine times out of ten. Now with 11 days until their week four Monday night football appearance, G-Men have an opportunity to get healthy and hopefully figure out some things on offense and defense, for that matter, that have hampered them uh, these first three weeks. And now looking forward to the Jets' action this weekend. Right now, the uh, Gang Green, they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs for their Sunday afternoon matchup at home against the New England Patriots. College football to look forward to here this weekend, starting tomorrow at noon. Rutgers is in action at two at number two Michigan. Michigan twenty four and a half point favorites there. Also at noon, number four Florida State will pay Clemson a visit as one and a half point favorites at three thirty. Nineteen Colorado will go into ten Oregon. Oregon there twenty one point favorites on the three and zero Colorado Buffs and seven thirty p.m. tomorrow night UAB will visit number one Georgia. Georgia forty two and a half point favorites there before uh, Texas three Texas. They're in Baylor at seven thirty as well. Fourteen and a half point favorites there and at seven thirty p.m. Also at tomorrow night, you got a triple header at 7.30 tomorrow night, so look out for that. Six, Ohio State, three-point favorites at nine, Notre Dame. That's your game of the week. On the diamond, the Yankees beat the Blue Jays 5-3 to three to avoid a sweep in last night's series finale. They'll stay at home with a welcome in the Arizona Diamondbacks next. First pitch for game one, scheduled for 7.05 p.m. tonight. Luke Weaver tab to start there. And for the Mets, they lost to the Phillies by a score of 5-4 to four in, the four, five to four in the first of four in Philadelphia. They'll see if they can even things up tonight uh, with Tyler McGill on the bump for 7.05 p.m. first pitch as well. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com. PavilionTakeList.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best belt boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I'm in the phone booth with the one across the hall.
Got seven great guests stopping by today. Seven. You know, one of the major stories is next week, Wednesday night, is the second presidential debate, the GOBT, I should say, presidential debate. And once again, Donald Trump is not going to participate. Why should he? He's up by about 60 points. But more importantly, he's decided to do something that shows how much he cares about this country. He continues to put America first, whether it's a trip to East Palestine, Ohio, which this administration didn't do for way too long, or what he's doing next week, which is a trip to Detroit to meet with the United Auto Workers Union. And it's freaking the Democrats out because they know, they know that this is only going to make Trump look even shinier. They know it. So my next guest was the president of the Correction Officers Benevolent Association. He was a union leader himself, and for a very long time, over 20 years, between 1995 and 2016, he did a great job. I'm proud to call this guy a friend, too, Norman Seabrook. Norman, good Friday morning, buddy. How are you? Good Friday morning to you, too, and I wouldn't call you a friend. I'd call you my brother. (laughs) That's even better. I like that. Thank you. My brother, Norman. So uh, when you you were listening yesterday and I was talking, giving Trump all this credit for not only not debating, but what he's doing is is really great and great for the American people, the blue-collar worker. And you said, yeah, and you said, and look, these people, this is your quote, these people are trying to destroy our unions. What do you mean by that? Absolutely. I meant what I mean by that is that if you allow and, and, and first of all, let me just back up for a second. I think that what uh, former President Donald Trump is doing is a great thing. People may disagree with me, but you know what? Even when he says I'm not going to the debate, people say, well, he should go to debate. I learned a long time ago. Let them draw their own crowd. That there's no sense in him going there and then 20,000 people showing up and then everybody thinks it's them that brought them. No, he brought them. So put that aside and say, okay, he's going to support the United uh, Auto Workers and, and, and their fight for justice and their fight for equality. And I think that that's very important because we have now, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the governor of the state of New York, the mayor of the city of New York, and all of these individuals who are jockeying to say, you know what, let's just put a Band-Aid on the problem that uh, New York City is facing and, and give them work papers and let them go to work and let them do what it is that they have to do. I think that's bullshit because at the end of the day, the bottom line to it is they're destroying unions. You cannot do that. If you do that, you are going to cause a serious rift with unions because it's the union's job to clean the streets. It's the union's jobs to build the buildings. It's the union's jobs to repair the highways. It's the union's jobs. When you get scabs, and and I call them scabs because that's what we've called them for years. When you get scabs to come in and try to do the job that we're trained to do as professionals for less money, these contractors are then going to go to them. They're going to put the blue-collar worker out of business. I understand not everybody is a union member, but there are union members in every single home in America. It's been that way for years. It will continue to be that way. But if we allow them to do that, we are going to be faced with a serious problem. Second part to that is that if the unions allow the governor and the mayor to do this without them fighting back, then there will be no 
precautions in place to say what they can do and what they can't do. And then you want to say all you want to do is allow the individuals that come from Venezuela to receive the papers so that they can get ahead of the line of those that have been on the line. That's ridiculous, Sydney. I mean, come on, man. Enough is enough. Stop trying to throw wool over our eyes and make us believe that you have this great plan when all you're doing is destroying the households of Americans around the country. I agree. And uh, and going back to the union discussion, you know, such a rich tradition. And, you know, going back to, of course, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Hopper, when he was the president of the Teamsters between 57 and 71. I know the AFL-CIO was in the news this morning, obviously SAG-AFTRA, doing the news every day because of the writers and the actors strike. And we know how important unions are to, um, you know, to the to the worker in this country and what they mean to them. So I just feel like uh, that's gotten lost somewhere, like you just mentioned, over the years, which makes this Donald Trump trip next week even bigger. Absolutely. No question about that. And I think that what's going to happen is that people are finally going to realize that irrespective of what you think personally of this man, the bottom line to it is what's in your wallet that's the bottom line. Union members have been able to have benefits, have been able to have medical, dental, optical, all of these things that have been negotiated for years. And that's going to be taken away silently and quietly because no one is looking at the bigger picture. It's time to think outside the box and say to yourself, okay, you want to do this? No, there must be some restrictions on what you can do and what you cannot do, where you can work and where you can't work. For example, you can't have Mr. J.C., Mr. John Castamatidis say, okay, uh, I want to build this building. Years ago, Mr. Castamatidis may have said, okay, no problem. You could build any buildings you want. But now that we have laws in place on unions and, and prevailing wages and everything else, he definitely says, okay, let me take a look at what this is and then do a contract like that. But when you don't have contracts, when you don't have prevailing wages, you're going to get people to come in and do it for $2, where a union member may have made eight dollars right. and it's going to be done less it's going to be they're not going to even put the effort into it they don't even know what the united states is all about <laughs> and they're coming over here and it's all of a sudden let's yep. build this house this, yep. it just doesn't make any sense anymore and i don't think that the people have their fingers on the pulse that are making these decisions and for washington to come in and say okay we're going to yeah yeah we're going to give you the passes okay so you give them the passes and all of a sudden you have five thousand six thousand eight thousand people working doing the job that union members used to do what's next to say that the correction officer doesn't have to be an officer the police officer no. doesn't have to be you know what, what, that, that could happen they've already moved towards that social worker nonsense and those types of folks so in the final 60 seconds norman great as always talking about correction officers there was a rumor going around that molina who's in charge of the department of corrections wanted to quit he had enough i'm out of here but the mayor wouldn't allow him to can you confirm and or deny those rumors? I cannot confirm or deny it, but I certainly don't think that a person that comes and brings a number two man in uh, to the Department of Correction is bringing him in just to give him a job. I think that that's a preparation for an exit. That's just my opinion. It could be, I could be wrong, and if I am wrong, 
God bless Mr. Molina. If I am, if I'm right, God, still God bless Mr. Molina. But at the end of the day, the bottom line to it is, is that we have to do and face the realities of what's going on in this city, and it's outrageous. It's just like with the uh, fentanyl problem. You know, I come up with an idea. I say, okay, from now on, I want to see a canine dog along with the inspector inspect these places that we're putting our children in because that dog is going to pick up a hit on drugs at the location. Nobody's doing it. I don't understand. What are we waiting for? Another mm. child to die? Yeah, good point. Listen, Norman, as always, you're right on the money, buddy. Great to open my body show with you. Thank you so much for stopping by and shedding some light on the union situation. We love you, pal. Have yourself a God great weekend. You. Thank you, Norman. And you, and you have yourself a great holiday coming you. up, you and all my brothers and sisters from Israel. Thank you. There he is, folks. Norman Seabrook. As he wraps up the first hour of today's program, a terrific hour at that. Thank you, Norman. Big hour to come. Three guests next hour. Curtis Sliwa, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, and Andrew Giuliani. All leading up to the big one, Kelly Ripa. Coming up at 9.30, hour two, sitting friends in the morning, next. Sunday. Seventy-seven WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Oh, there he goes on a disco Friday. Sleeper. Look at my man. He's got moves. That man is no baby. He's been shot six times. Look at him. Oh, he's all pumped up. He's got his rebels. He's like the Chandonese. He got rebels. Me, Johnny Tobacco, and and uh, Lebedo, Scott Lebedo. Of course, Curtis gets great ratings every weekday afternoon, right before Greg Kelly, noon to one. Then he gets great ratings again, hosting overnights all weekend long, but arguably does his best work alongside me right here about this time, 710, every weekday morning. And yesterday, while I have uh, actually joined Curtis, in uh, three of his most recent rallies, two were his, really, at Floyd Bennett Field. He and I went to another that was put on by Democrat Assemblywoman Jamie Williams in, in Brooklyn. When I've done all that, what Curtis did yesterday I would never do, which is show up at uh, a buddy of mine's office with a bullhorn and a bunch of psychos, like the rebels I just mentioned, and yell and scream because the mayor is about to enter the building, for whatever reason it is. But I have to tell you, I found it to be tremendously entertaining. And at one point, coming home from the gym last night, when I mentioned it to Danielle, she said, oh, my God, I love Curtis. <laughs> so uh, here he is with the recap of what exactly he accomplished last night, which is nothing, but it's still exciting. My man, Curtis Sliwa. Good morning, Kurt. Uh, there's no good morning because I heard that, Uh-oh. again, you're beginning this uh, dance this uh, rooster dance with uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens. We'll say this. 
Hardy uh, went up to the mayor and uh, said, hey, you know, Sid, blah, blah, blah. And the mayor did text me. We have not talked. I didn't realize this, but he's right because I checked. Since August 1. So now you're going on almost seven weeks since there's been any communication between me and the mayor. And um, he's either pissed or disappointed. I'm not going to read it. That would betray anybody's trust. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do that. It was personal. He absolutely has taken a lot of the stuff that I've said, which really is your fault. It's not my fault. You have uh, led me down this uh, path of uh, destroying this man. So he's taken it very, very personal. And um, I answered him, and I was tough in my response. I will say this. The only part of the text I will share is he actually said at one point in the text, not personal, but a great job he's doing. And I said, I beg to differ. I said, the city is still a mess. I appreciate your zeal, enthusiasm, and the want for the city to get better, but it ain't better. By the way, uh, did he agree to text you after Arthur Idella handed him the $25,000? Well, he didn't do that. Of course he did. No, you, he did. You, no. have to, you have to come up with $25,000 well, for the mayor to appear. But it wasn't Artie's money. Well, it was his associates that he hired. They all had to write checks. I don't know anything about this. I do. You see, because somebody came out and spoke to me. I was the last person to leave the rally. Wait, you're telling me there was a rat in the rat in the in, in Artie Idala's office? Let me explain was how it this Bruce works. Bruce Charrett? No, let me explain how this works. <laughs> yeah. Everybody who works for him is told you have to write out a check for two thousand one hundred dollars. If you live out of the city, it's not matchable. If you live in the city, the first $250 is matchable by eight. You get eight times the worth. So that's another $2,000. So your 2000 becomes 4000 And you have to write out the checks. They put the pressure on you. Arthur Idella and his partner, who is that, Schwartzy boy? Uh, and Imram, all of them. Yeah, who is complaining boy, about yeah. me uh, protesting. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the point being is... Yeah, he was upset. They are bundlers. And I'm telling you, based on the information that one of their colleagues gave me, Pretty soon, along with the other friends of Eric Adams who've been indicted for illegal fundraising for Eric Adams, we may be seeing Arthur Idella and Schwartz representing <laughs> themselves pro se in court. You are I got silly. all the goods on him. You know, you would think, Curtis, that, uh, yes, he held a fundraiser for your nemesis, your number one enemy, Eric. I get all that. But you would think because Artie Idella has stepped up and has decided and is defending our dear friend, even yours more than mine, Rudy Giuliani, pro bono. You would think Artie would get a couple of points. He gets nothing. Nothing? He, what do you mean he gets nothing? He Rudy held, Giuliani. He held fundraisers for Bill de Blasio, the uh, man that you know single-handedly destroyed this city that we love. Well, no, clearly Artie has something for the mayor's office. You're right. <laughs> but let me tell you this. Yeah. On my way over, I passed the Roosevelt Hotel. Yeah. I took the pictures of all the Vespas and the motorbikes that Arthur Idella swears he never sees. I needed two separate pictures to get all of them in. There was 132 motorbikes and Vespas. Am I lying or what, Sid? No, you sent me the pictures. And So Chris Mullen's sister is absolutely correct. Yeah, his sister-in-law. She's actually married to Chris Mullen's brother, Terrence Mullen, Mr. Callies. And she texted me moments after Artie said that. Now, Artie did say yesterday, well, what I meant was... On my block on 45th and Vanderbilt, there are none. 
Maybe they're around the corner. Oh, how could you miss it? <laughs> and plus, all the Venezuelans out there smoking their their weed and drinking their cerveza, and now they're going to get work permits. Maybe Arthur Idella will hire them, right, <laughs> as his associates, so that they can write out checks, forcibly write out checks for the reelection of Eric Adams, who is Bill De Blasio 2.0. Well, take me back there last night, okay? Because yes. yeah. I'm, I'm I was texting Artie. I spoke to my friend Bruce Charrett. And um, all Artie said to me was, I said, how many people? It was about 5 o'clock. Yeah. I said, how many people are outside the window right now? He walked over. He said, there's about 10. Curtis is on a bullhorn yelling and screaming. He did At that point, he had not seen Johnny Tobacco yet. Because he knows who Johnny There were 20. A total of 20. Because okay. remember, very difficult to get to, not because of the Idella uh, fundraiser yeah. for Eric Adams, but it's U.N. lockdown week. Right, it's very So hard. we're taking care of all the dictators, despots, <laughs> and tyrants. Well, I got it. Making so, sure they get their hookers and their cocaine. Right. So you're not even lying. That's all true. It was all written up in the New York Post. You know, I said that on Monday. I said it Following days. up on what you said. Yeah. I was getting calls. You know, the calls were going upstairs. Oh, stop it. It's a, meantime, page six, there's a big spread on it. And now all of a sudden, no more calls. Of course not. Well, we know this already. Anyway. And we're paying for this. This is our foreign aid. I said to Rudy, he was live on the show two days ago, what's with making these people happy? Dinners, hotels, hookers, drugs. And Rudy's quote to me was, how do you know all this? <laughs> and by the way, what they do, the trick is they buy their Coke and put it in their diplomatic pouch, yeah. Yeah. which is untouchable. Nobody can touch it. You can't it. go inside that. So they keep their cocaine in the diplomatic pouch. Yeah. And local law enforcement officials said, even if we get a warrant, even if we raid their apartment. They can't open it. They cannot open their yeah. diplomatic pouch. They I keep know. all the cocaine in there. It's crazy. So and who pays for it? We do. We do. Yeah. At least, uh, you know, I would have said 15 years ago, give me a line. But uh, those days are over. Thank God. <laughs> My God. Oh. And it's the good stuff, too. No, no. Straight no, from Medellin. No, straight no, no. from Cali. It's bad stuff, actually. you got to be careful. I mean, we just lost a baby in the Bronx last week. Yeah. And why anybody would ever do drugs these days. By the way, they'd have to be crazy. By Don't the way, do it. Don't do it. Yesterday, I asked DCPI through our Cracker Jack News uh, crew, uh, why aren't you announcing that all three of those Dominicans who were arrested at that drug mill that pretended to be a daycare center are illegal Dominicans? All of them. Illegally here. They haven't found the husband yet, I believe. But no. The other know, three are all illegal. He He's in the DR. No, I know. I know. So the point being is they can't even say what, what I know. And other people in that neighborhood know. Couldn't agree more. But I want to I want to go back to the uh, yes, the yes. actual scene. So you're out there with the bullhorn. Yes. You have about stirring nine... up people who are passing by, <laughs> saying, "What are you doing out here, Curtis?" I said, "All I had to do was say Eric Adams. He is." They, they said that people hate this guy now. You, but in New York City, he's relatively popular. He won here. No, I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Not even in the hood. Not even that. All right. So so at some point when you're out there, you got yes. there early. The mayor arrives. Yes. And at some point, the mayor, while not walking right up to you, has to somewhat pass you. I'm not sure the distance yes. between you and the mayor at the time. So tell me exactly, was there a look? Was there was there some type of interaction yeah, well, between I'll, you I'll and I'll the mayor? He has two SUVs, both of them tricked out, $90,000 apiece at our expense. One is the vehicle that he rides in with his security, and the other vehicle is for his wardrobe. It's like the dry cleaners. <laughs> you open that up, he's got everything. Now, he didn't get out at first, so he stays in the SUV, again, tricked out to the max, 
tinted windows so he can see me. I can't see him, but I know which one he's in. He's in the lead car, and I'm going nuts. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. I said, here is the mayor of the illegal aliens. And people are like, yeah, how come he's taking care of them and not us? So he decided, man, get inside the barricade. And there were like, there's like a 100 cops assigned there. It's like, how crazy is that? And then he very slowly gets out. You know, and then he puts on, like, his jacket very slowly. He's eyeballing everything. And then this one guy just breaks out and bum rushes him. Oh, one of your people. Yeah, he's stunned. He couldn't deal with it. I know who that guy is. That's Uh, the Sperminator. The Sperminator. He's a hired gun. He he makes... So how close did he get to the mayor? No, not close at all. Because they had 100 cops protecting him. (laughs) And I was screaming, hey, why not go fight crime police? You know, crime is up. Like, the subway is right there. Hey, Arthur Idala, you want to come down into the subway (laughs) that you say is so safe now? So once the mayor goes upstairs... Yes. And takes part in this um, party put on by Arthur. Wining, the... dining, and getting pocket lines. That's fine. Did you leave at that point? No. You st- so you stayed out there till the mayor left? Everybody left except for me. So I'm standing at the barricade, <laughs> and one of the affiliates uh, of Arthur Idala and Schwartzhead uh, come up to me and explain to me everything that was going on. They were bundling money. And uh, if they didn't do it right, perfectly, they're going to court. I guarantee you, I got the info as we speak. They got a rat who ate the Parmesan cheese, did not like what was going on in there. Really? Yeah. Well, is there any chance, any chance, Curtis, yes. that you will reveal the name of the rat right now? Why? So he can get fired? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and then what? He declare himself to be an illegal alien? And they'll put him up in a hotel and feed him and give him an iPhone and a smartphone. And uh, they'll give him the opportunity to work wherever he wants. All I got to do is ship him south of the border. And he walks across and he goes, asylum seeker. And he gets everything. So here's Arthur Wright Dollar. Remember, your friend who helped elect Bill de Blasio twice raised a massive amounts of money. A man who single-handedly destroyed this city that we all love. And then to compound that, he's fundraising to re-elect Eric Adams. And his excuse to sit yesterday was, oh, Christine Quinn said she might run. What? The woman with the Clairol red hair? Are you kidding You're raising money because when you raise money in the Adams clan, look at where the kickbacks go, baby. Just like Daco. Hey, Daco. Everybody's investigating Daco, Arthur Idali. You going to defend the mayor when he's in chains and shackles going to the big house instead of the White House? You sickle fan. You lucky and you tuckish kisser. If you had a 
an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Notes for you, 7.34 on your Friday morning. Been a terrific show already with Norman Seabrook and Curtis Sliwa. Still to come, a lot to come. A lot, actually. Andrew Giuliani, John Katz, Joseph Takapina, Dr. Mark Siegel, and Kelly Ripper, the queen of daytime television. My friend Kelly will be here at 9.30. Yesterday, of course, we witnessed a tragedy. A bus carrying a bunch of high school students from Farmingdale to their annual Pennsylvania trip. Six buses in all, one crashed. Turns out, I guess, the front tire blew, and the bus ended up literally in the trees. And tragically, two people were killed, two ladies, including one beloved by all. She was, I guess, the the band leader, teacher. And everybody is heartbroken. And I watched the press conference last night before the Giants came, and I was heartbroken. And while Kathy Hochul didn't move me even a little, I'm being honest, the Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman did. I got to tell you, I'm good friends with Laura Kern. I love her. She's great. But Bruce Blakeman is one of the best executives, if not the best, in the country. I mean that. So here he is the day after this tragedy he's dealing with this morning. My friend, the Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Well, it's been a really, really rough 24 hours. Uh, what a horrific event. We w- woke up yesterday to a gorgeous fall day. Um, everything seemed wonderful and beautiful. And then I get text messages of a potential bus crash. 
that may involve some Nassau County residents. About a couple of minutes later, I found out it was students who were on a band camp trip from Farmingdale High School. And uh, we mobilized all of our Nassau County resources. I want to thank Commissioner Ryder, our Highway Patrol, our Aviation Unit, our SIS Unit, all chipping in to help in the effort of making sure that the families and the kids and the teachers had everything that they need. And, and Sid, if I could take a minute, I have to thank the people of Orange County and Westchester County. They were so nice. They were so helpful. They were comforting. They were caring. Um, let's start off with the state police of Troop F. What an amazing group of people, of public servants. The Orange County Sheriff's Department, the Orange County Executive Steve Newhouse, the, the SUNY Orange County Community College providing grief counselors and social workers and teachers, the Westchester County Medical Center, the Bon Secure Medical Center, the Garnett Medical Center, the St. Anthony's Medical Center. I traveled all throughout Orange County and Westchester yesterday meeting with the kids, meeting with their parents, but most importantly with law enforcement, EMT, fire, and healthcare professionals, and they treated our kids so great. Uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of them up there. They saved a lot of kids' lives, and unfortunately, we lost Ms. Ferrara, uh, who was a uh, chaperone many, many times on school trips for Farmingdale High School, and we lost Ms. Pelletieri, who was a, uh, a well-loved band leader. It was a real tragedy, but it could have been much worse without, without Nassau County jumping in and without our friends and partners up in Orange County and Westchester County jumping in. It is amazing the job you guys do in Nassau County. And I have no reason to suck up to you guys. I live in Queens. But uh, you, Bruce, and you mentioned Pat Ryder, the police chief, who I think is terrific. I really do. And, you know, I've got all my friends out there from Pete King to uh, Cairo, all you guys really do a, uh, a tremendous job. And they needed this yesterday. So uh, the reports I'm reading this morning and late last night was that uh, the belief is, is that a front tire blew out and that led to this crash. Do we know if that's? 100% yet or still in the investigation process? Yes. Yeah, so um, Governor Holko, uh, with her uh, state police investigative team, said that uh, prelim preliminary analysis was that the front tire may have blown. And uh, I'm talking to our highway patrol, and they told us that when that happens, it's difficult uh, to maneuver and control a bus that size. And that bus rolled over a few times, Sid. I mean, this could have been even more catastrophic than it is. And, uh, you know, it's just a miracle that more people weren't seriously injured. We've got about 14 or 15 right now at Westchester Medical Center, which is a level one trauma center. Uh, they're being treated there. I spoke with their uh, uh, medical director uh, yesterday, a really, really nice man and his staff. They're, they're giving excellent care to our people. Are those, then, uh, are, the, are, those, are those mostly kids? And do you know if any of them yeah. are in a, God forbid, life-threatening situation? Well, as I can't get into too many details, but when I left last night at about 10.15 p.m., uh, the medical center, everybody at that point was stable. There were serious, serious injuries, but at least they were stable. So we got to pray that they stay stable and that they make a quick recovery. 
And of course, my sincerest condolences go out to the Ferrara and Pelletieri families. From all accounts, they were wonderful people. Let me say one other thing. The superintendent, Defendino, Paul Defendino, and his staff, the teachers at Farmingdale High School, the principals, the assistant principals, they operated magnificently. They were cool, calm, collected. And this isn't just for me. This is what the state police told me. This is what all the healthcare professionals told me. I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of the Farmingdale mm-hmm. High School community. They did a really, mm-hmm. really outstanding job. Agreed. Uh, two more will let you run, Bruce, on this tragic but and very, very busy morning for you. The bus driver, I guess, is okay. Is, is that a fair assumption? Mm-hmm. I have not gotten a, repo- a report on the bus driver as of yet. Okay. Um, we're, it's still fluid because they were still transporting uh, from some of the area hospitals, community mm-hmm. hospitals, uh, some of the patients to Westchester Medical because it's a level one trauma center. So the tougher cases are going to Westchester Medical. But as I said, Bon Secure Hospital, St. Anthony's, uh, the Garnett Health System all gave really outstanding care and the people were so kind to the parents who came up and we provided uh police transportation for any parents who couldn't get up there and we had a very large presence up there to make sure that that our kids and the parents and the teachers were were well cared for there's no reason to turn this into a gory graphic segment Uh, i did hear there was a lot of blood i heard that this morning I know that the bus rolled over like you said it could have been a lot worse if god forbid another bus or a car uh, hit that bus, it would have been a lot worse. But I'm under the impression that as bad as it was, the bus rolled over a bunch of times and ended up in the trees. There was no collision with any other cars. So uh, I would have to imagine the nature of these serious injuries resulted because of the rollover. Is that is that a fair assumption? I think that's a fair assumption. But, again, uh, the state police and the Orange County Sheriff's Department, uh, who, again, I, I can't thank them enough, um, they'll do their investigation, and, and they will issue a report, and then we'll see what the report says. So what is uh, your next move this morning? What happens next in Nassau County? Well, uh, I'm on the way to the office right now, and obviously we're going to get updates, and uh, we're going to make a determination on whether or not uh, we're going to have uh, a media advisory at some point this morning. Uh, we're in contact with Farmingdale High School. We want to make sure that they have everything they need. Uh, I'm told they will have grief counselors. They will have um, their teachers there. The school will be open, uh, which uh, I think is a good move. They want to get the school open they, because a, a lot of the kids are going to need resources, so better to have the school open. So I think that was a wise choice. And uh, we'll see what develops during the day. And obviously, we're looking after our kids that are still up there and you know, we want to make sure that the parents have everything they need, whether it's lodging or transportation, uh, you know, to make sure that they are comfortable and that they can give their full attention to the kids. And all I can say to anybody out there is if you have kids, give your kid a, a big hug tonight mm. because uh, mm. the fact of the matter, life is very precious. And it's it's events like these that, that remind you what the real important things are in life. You said it yesterday. You said it again this morning. I could not agree more. Bruce Blakeman, you're a terrific uh, executive but an even better guy. So thank you on this busy, tragic morning for hopping on with me. We'll talk again very soon. And the people on Island should know they got the right guy in charge. Excellent job, Bruce. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Sid. Bye. Take care. Bruce Blakeman, the Nassau County Executive. We'll get to my guy, Andrew Giuliani. He may be training as we speak. 
for the big walk run coming up Sunday at the Battery Tunnel for Frank Seller. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I was in my early 40s With a lot of life before me When a moment came that stopped me on a dime I spent most of the next days Looking at the x-rays Talking about the options And talking about sweet time I asked him when it sank in this might really be the real end How's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what'd you do? And he said I went skydiving I went Rocky Mountain climbing I went 2.7 seconds On a full name And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Mentioned this song just yesterday, yesterday being Faith Hill's birthday. This, of course, is Faith Hill's husband, country star Tim McGraw. And he wrote this song, Live Like You Were Dying, about his father, the great New York Met Philadelphia Philly closer, Tug McGraw. If you go back and listen to the words, he says the moment came and hit me on a dime. I was in my early 40s when Tug found out he had terminal cancer. And he did die, but after years and years of no relationship, I mean nothing, Tug was out there doing his thing, you know. Tug got very, very close with Tim, his son, and Faith. And uh, that's a beautiful song, Live Like You Were Dying. My next guest is on 2 o'clock every Sunday afternoon. He's on this show every Friday morning. He's great, just like his father. The apple did not fall far from the tree. It's my dear friend, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, good Friday morning, buddy. How are you? Shit, I thought that was for me because I'm running right now like I'm dying. I'm training for this 5K, and I am so pumped up, I got to tell you. It is, uh, it's amazing. Now, Sid, I know you've done this before. I need a little advice. They won't let me run through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel beforehand. How do I end up training for that hill up there? Well, what I did was, um, to be honest, I took a cab, and then I walked out of the cab, and I dumped a <laughs> bottle of water on me like I've been sweating the whole time. <laughs> like, like the marathon runner. Like the marathon runner. That's perfect. Right. I That's mean, no, a good idea. I mean, I, so went out, nice. I went out there that day, and... Um, you know, it was a it was a cold and brisk morning. I was living in the city. I took the ferry to IKEA, you know, the furniture store in Brooklyn. I was out there like five hours early. It was just me and Doug. That's it. And eventually, other people showed up: Dominic and Leslie and Juliet and a host of others. And Frank. And uh, then Greg Kelly showed up. That's psycho. And uh, he showed up like this was uh, the race of his life. Like he had to win, you know. And all he wanted to do was beat me, and I didn't care. I just wanted to survive the damn day and get home and watch the Giants. It was a Sunday morning. 
So he beat my ass to Greg Kelly's uh, credit because he's actually, you know, a really athletic guy. The guy served our country, God bless him. But I didn't care. I just wanted to finish, which I did, and it was a, a remarkable morning. So you're actually training right now, huh? Andrew, training right now. Right now, as we speak, and I tell you, it really gives you some perspective. I'm interested in seeing it after the race because the fact that Steven Siller was able to run through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel and then up the Trade Center with 60, 70 pounds of bunker gear on is pretty amazing to see these firefighters actually run the race like that. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> By the way, Sid, if you need to send out a EMS for me, I'm right now pretty close to your old building, so oh, God. feel free to send one out just in case. Oh, uh, you know my old building right there by uh, Liberty, right by Brookfield Plaza. So I'm still stalking you, even though you're not leaving. I'm still stalking you. <laughs> I like Where that building. I like that building. I, I used to uh, enjoy walking over to PJ Clark's and eating outside, and it's a great area where you live down there, and that's where you're training right now. So, uh, is today the end of your training? The race comes up on Sunday. I would imagine tomorrow's a, uh, a rest day, no? Yeah, tomorrow's a rest day. I think Danielle, should, should I end up and ask Danielle this? Tomorrow I gotta eat a lot of pasta, right? There's a lot yes. of Yes. I, I mean, Drew, right? Drew, Drew, you're doing three miles. You're treating this like you're, you're, you're doing the New York City Marathon with Danielle coming up in November. <laughs> it, it, feel, it feels like I'm running an Ironman right no. now. And I'm on my <laughs> two, so. No, it's tough. I know. I struggled with it too. But yes, Danielle ordinarily eats a whole bunch of pasta the night before and um, goes to bed very, very early just so you know. you got to get your rest. you got to feel good on Sunday. I mean, are you doing this to, to actually run a decent time, or you just want to finish? You sound like uh, you may not even finish. You may, God forbid, die out there. i got to get out of the tunnel, I guess, right? I mean, yeah. you can't come get me if I'm dying in the tunnel. So <laughs> i got to at least get out of the tunnel. That's the goal. Uh, look at you, Andrew Giuliani, folks. Uh, no joke, he's actually training as we speak. This is awesome for Sunday's 5K walk run, Frank Siller, and uh, Tunnel to Towers. So while uh, you're training, Andrew, and doing this uh, really patriotic, beautiful thing for New York and the country, it's another day of coverage of your father. There's not yeah. a day that I wake up and start this program dark and early at 6 o'clock where to my left, MSNBC or CNN, in the first 30 minutes, doesn't have something on your father. I know you know that. Is it getting annoying or are you just used to it? Uh, I think kind of somewhat used to it now, but of course it's still extremely frustrating. But I understand what the left is trying to do here. They're trying to go after Trump. And if you can't go get Trump, the next best thing is Rudy Giuliani. To go after the rule of law and the lawyer who defended the sitting president like that, just shows that we're slipping into a third-world country here. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> what was I this is good radio. Shit. I mean, I, I'm, I'm dying over here. My phone, my, my, my phone is blowing up. I swear to God. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I would stop it if it wasn't. I'd be like, this is hilarious. This is great. I'm not, I know you went. I'm, I'm running. I'm not doing any other activity to make me, might make you sound like this. I promise it's running. <laughs> well, are on. if I thought that was the case, I would ask you to put Z on the phone, but but she's not there. <laughs> um, so so I know you were a uh, college athlete. You were a big golfer at Duke, uh, and you're in good shape. Oh goodness, and you're a great. Uh, you know you love sports. I know you watched our Giants get murdered last night. But when was the last time you did something akin to this, some type of real physical activity, a run, a basketball game, I don't know, tennis, something like that? Yeah, a run, it's been eight or nine years since I was last professional. And, you know, I trained and was in a little better shape then. And so it's actually been good the last month. You know, I went from a place where 
I could barely run a mile to now where you're at least able to complete the three miles. It's not going to be – nobody's going to confuse me for Prefontaine or anything like that. <laughs> maybe maybe Prefontaine in the 80s who was right. underneath the uh, underneath the dirt. Yeah. But, uh, but that's – you know, it really is amazing what Frank has done and what the Siller family has done. And I know they're such a great radio partner here with WABC. And i got to tell you, one of the things that inspired me was last year waking up on that morning – and for some reason, I didn't even think it was that morning that the Tunnel of the Towers run happened. And I go with, with Grace, who was under a year at the time, and we look out the window, and we see these 40,000 runners running past our building. And then you see the firefighters with the bunker gear on. And I really felt shame. I said, wait a second. I can't run three miles in honor of Stephen Siller, in honor of all those people that made the ultimate sacrifice that day, a day that's so important to me, so important to the city of New York, so important to our country. And then so when WABC ended up presenting the opportunity to go and run, and, and Frank has been such a close personal friend for over 20 years now, um, you know, it was, it was really an honor to be able to do this. So I'm, I'm excited. I hope, I, uh, I hope I'm able to complete it in under a half hour. And, and, uh, and then I got to do a radio show later after that. So I don't know what that's going to be like. Sid, uh, you're, you're far beyond the weekends at this point in your career as you're a star, but we got to figure out somebody for that two o'clock hour. <laughs> Just in case I'm not able to make it, I right. don't know. I think you'll be fine. You're uh, you're you're a real athlete and a real New Yorker, and you're a tough guy. On the way out, I do want to ask you about Trump. You know, uh, I think what he's doing next week is great. Uh, the debate is stupid at this point. You know, he goes there and all he he's got to defend himself against Fat Chris Christie and the rest of these morons. Really, I like Nikki Haley, I like Tim Scott, but for the most part, they're just. They're irrelevant, these people. They really are. Um, and instead, he's going to Detroit to speak to the UAW workers, which is so important because, as Norman Seabrook said last hour, the unions in this country, uh, if it's up to some of these people, they would go away. So I congratulate President Trump on what he's doing. Something tells me, Andrew Giuliani, you feel the same way. Yeah, I do. You know, I was actually a believer that he should should have debated the first time and then uh, and then said, you know what? Hey, now it's up to the JV. But the truth is, I think he proved everybody wrong. That Tucker interview getting the uh, almost, I think, 100 million views, I think, ended up really swamping over what the Republican debate was. If you just look at the ratings, it was down 40 percent from the 2016, 2015 debates. So I think he's pressing the right button here again. I think there's no other candidate that even, you know, is on the same level as him. It's going to be very interesting, though, to see where Iowa, where New Hampshire ends up stacking up. You're seeing some of these other candidates really pouring a lot of resources into those early states, hoping to get the momentum. Now, we've seen over the last few presidential election cycles, this on the Republican and Democratic side, the person who wins Iowa doesn't necessarily have much momentum going outside of that, where it ends up affecting the race. You have Huckabee, who Huckabee became kind of a national figure in winning that, but it didn't help him win the presidential, the Republican nomination. You had Santorum in 2012. Obviously, we know Romney ended up winning that. And I believe Cruz won in 2016. Trump obviously became the nominee. So even if Trump ends up, you know, I think he's going to win Iowa. But let's say he doesn't win Iowa. He finishes second or even third. I don't think it's even really going to matter by the time we get to the summer of next year. So I think he's making a good decision here. I agree. Well, listen, I don't want to take any more time away from this this training. I'm actually really proud of you. And I know you're very, very close with Frank Siller, all kidding aside, and Tunnel to Towers, you and your dad. 
Uh, your father actually was the one who got us to Brooklyn Battery Tunnel many, many years ago to do this for the very first time. He told me that story just two days ago. So continued success in your training. You are a great American, Andrew Giuliani. We all love you. Go kick some ass on Sunday, and maybe you'll hop back on with me uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday, and we'll find out how you did. Okay, pal? Thank you, Sid. Thank you for everything, and, and thank you to Tunnel Towers for everything they did. I promise I'm going to be more successful than our Giants was last night. I don't know if I'm going to win, but I'm going to be more successful. It's going to be hard not to be. As long as you don't die, you'll be better off than the Giants. <laughs> well, that's, that's not a given. That's not a given. Uh, I know, I know. You did text me before the game, and I did warn you. I, I did tell you that the Giants were not going to do very well. So yeah. you, you did. I was on the wrong side of that one. My, my pocketbook's a little lighter today yeah. because of it. Yeah. You're better off just not even betting the Giant games because if you love them so much, they can't cover, they can't win. So just watch it and hope. But, you know, if yeah. you see, I know guys that do this, Andrew, they go, well, here's the deal. I know the Giants can't cover or win. So if they're going to lose the game, why be miserable? At least let me make a couple of bucks. And if they actually pull it out, I don't mind losing a couple of dollars because my Giants won. I've, I know you've heard that rationale. Yes. It's, it's the emotional hedge. You're emotionally hedging yourself. Right. Right. right exactly. Yeah. But there was no doubt the Niners are going to cover. So, you know. It is what yeah, it is. I know. I, right. know. I know. I know. Go get them on Sunday. I love you, pal. Great job. Love you, Sid. That was a great call. Great job. That was a terrific job. A funny and great phone call. Andrew Giuliani running the 5K run walk tunnel to Towers on Sunday. And, of course, will host his own fine program as he does every Sunday coming up at 2. Only halfway through, folks. A lot more to do. John Katsimatidis, he's going to be here. We're going to talk to, oh, my, Dr. Mark Siegel, Joseph Tacopina, and the big one coming up at 930, my friend Kelly Ripper. Keep it right here. Second half of Sitting Friends in the Morning about to come your way. What did you do with it? What did I do with it? What would I do with it? Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Does it seem so inviting? Autumn in New York. Autumn in New York. It's coming, folks, tomorrow night. The dulcet tones of the man that his whole life wanted to be Joe Piscopo. But he had to settle to be Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Autumn in New York. Autumn starts uh, tomorrow night into Saturday morning. You wouldn't know from it today. It's still about 70 degrees, but tomorrow's going to be much chillier. I know my next guest loves Frank Sinatra. I got to tell you, I had a meeting. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it's about. It's none of your business, but I had a meeting a couple of days ago in uh, John's uh, office, you know, 
we discussed a couple of topics and it was great. You know, the meeting ended in about, I don't know, half hour. And then I leaned over and gave him a big kiss, which I always do. I told him I loved him, which I really do love him. And I left. And I've been in this business now for 25 years and I've worked for the biggest, the biggest radio stations, companies in the history of this business. And it's never been that way, ever. So before we even get into our discussion, John, I just want to tell you that the, the way you run the company, the way you treat your employees, specifically me, is really nice. I want you to know that. I know you feel the same way. I know you felt great after our meeting on Monday, but it's just it, it's more like a family having a discussion than it is an employee sitting with a boss. And uh, I'll tell you, I really enjoy uh, the people in uh, WABC, and we all work together as a team, and we've become number one, and we're going to surpass number one. You know how you surpass? We're going to be number one in the world. Uh, right now, under our computers and, and streaming status, we're in 50 states. 50? And 50 how many countries? states and 173 countries. Wow. And we're going to get the truth out there. WABC New York is getting the truth out in the whole world, and uh, we're we're promoting that, and uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, you've done a great job. You really have. You and Margo and, and Chad, of course, and uh, George, all these guys, and Emily. But you've done an, an amazing job at this station because I was here when it was on life support. It was over, and uh, you came in, and it's been a completely different ballgame. So thank you for that. Uh, I know that you had a press release come out this week. I read, read it on Facebook. I mentioned it on the air, John. And um, the price of oil, what that means for inflation, but also because you're not just in the oil business, in the radio business, you're in the real estate business. And finally, after promising for months and months and months, we had a pause by the Fed. Interest rates did not go up 0.25%. Talk about that. Well, Chairman Powell is looking in the rearview mirror all the time. I'm very, very disappointed in Chairman Powell. Uh, what's happened in the last 60 days, and uh, what happened? Oil was at uh, $68, $73. Uh, the OPEC nation stirred a pot. The Russians stirred a pot. And, and guess what? Our own president. You know, Russia wants $100 oil. Saudi Arabia, uh, OPEC nations want $100 oil. It's to benefit them. That's, I mean, they have the right. That's what the world, world capitalism is. I mean, uh, and, uh, America, we want 55, $65 oil. We had it down to as low as 68. When was that? Was that Trump? Oh, uh, that's no, 90 days ago. Oh. Four months ago, it was down to 68. But I have to imagine under Trump, it was even much cheaper than 55. that. 55. 55. Now. What what happens on nine eleven? Instead of President Biden, instead of coming to New York for nine eleven, like every other president, he goes to Alaska and cuts down our supplies on oil. So what does it do? It takes it further up high. Well, when you say right now, it's ninety five, ninety six dollars uh, for Brent, which is ridiculous. But what did he do to cut down in the oil? What did he do exactly? He put more restrictions on oil in Alaska. We have a two million barrel a day pipeline in Alaska to bring down oil to the 48 states. You know where we're down to? We were down to 375. I mean, enough is enough. 
you know, I said to him once, why are we buying from Venezuela when, and it's dirtier oil when we can buy from Alaska? What'd he say? Nothing. No, he answer. got nothing. Right. No answer. You know, it's funny because you and, mentioned Venezuela because and, when I heard the deal with the, with the nobody, Venezuelan migrants, I thought maybe it was about the oil. No, nobody knows what the exact game plan is except you know, the, you know, I, I, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not Frank Morano at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, and, uh, uh, the only thing I would say beside, by the way, Russia needs at a hundred dollars a barrel, Russia makes a billion dollars a day. Is that right? A day. You know what, you know uh, what they're doing with the billion dollars a day? They're fighting the war. In the Ukraine. Right. They're fighting the war with the Russian Foreign Legion. No more Wagner Group. It's the Russian Foreign Legion. Seven countries in Africa. And, and enough is enough, guys. And, you know, we're financing the American people. The American consumer is going to be paying five, five and a half dollars for, for gasoline all over again. Heating oil is like three and a half dollars, uh, yesterday. Uh, that's going to go even higher, and, and and food is going to go higher. When you have ninety six dollar oil, diesel fuel is going to go to the moon. So, who is financing Russia? The American we consumer, are. right? And and the White House is financing Russia a billion dollars a day that they're using for the Ukraine war. And then after the war is over. Who's gonna, who's gonna pay? Jamie Dimon had a meeting yesterday with a bunch of executives. Who's gonna pay to, 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 to fix up the Ukraine? We are. Okay. But, yeah. So we pay to destroy it. Right. And then we pay to fix yeah, it up. We are stupid. I mean, yeah. So wow. You can't make it up. No, you can't. So then, here's what, what, what bothers me. Biden, uh, Bidenomics, Biden's economic plan. Uh, when you watch Democrats on television, well, I say Democrats. When you watch people from the Biden administration, they tell you that his economy is working, that inflation is going down, gas is down. They don't. They leave out the parts, of course, about nine consecutive interest they're rate spikes. They're making the poor. They're making the right. poor poorer. Right. And they're making the middle class poor. And and they're also going after the rich. I mean, I got news for you. Did you see this? I saw this a couple of days ago. I thought about you. Some uh, economist, I guess, John, predicted that we are not that far away from the rich. That's you paying a migrant tax. Now, why in a million years should John Katsimatidis be financially responsible for people to, crossing the border illegally? It goes back to Staten Island. Why are you throwing the, the American poor out of some of those uh, uh, centers and putting in the migrants in? Right. I mean, the perfect solution is the solution I gave them. Put them on Rikers Island. Rename it Ellis Island, too. Well, how come the mayor, who I did speak to finally last night for the first time since August 1st, and uh, we've got some work to do, but how come the mayor doesn't take you up on that? It's smart. It's smart. Hey, it's up to him. You know, I gave, he, he has the facts on his desk. He knows it. He heard it. And it's up to him. You know, the mayor is the mayor, and he, he has to make the decision. The, I mean, the other thing I would do with the United Nations, because it's a vast wasteland, Manhattan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when they're here, why don't we put them on Governor's Island? I like Governor's Island, though. It's okay. cute. Okay. Why, why don't we put them on, uh, on uh, not Randall's Island, uh, Roosevelt Island or some one of the islands. Yeah. And they'll be safe there. Well, as long as it's not next to me is all I'm saying, John. <laughs> Rockaway? No, no. no. They're coming. They're coming to Floyd Benefield. It's right down the block. 
What do you that's, think? That's Curtis's song. They're coming to take me away, away. They're coming to take me away. <laughs> what do you think about uh, Curtis last night outside of Idala's office? Because uh, the mayor was showing up there. What do you think about that? Well, look. Curtis has the right to protest like everybody else. Totally agree. And, uh, uh, you know, I get phone calls from my Dallas office uh, uh, saying, oh, why don't you ban Curtis from coming on? Uh, and I said, I mean, Curtis is Curtis. Right. You know, uh, and uh, I said, call Sid. Sid is Curtis's best friend. I wasn't going to say Sid, that. I wasn't going to say that, but I was told... <laughs> Not when the attorney called you, you actually said, Call the, Sid. the only guy he listens to is Sid. That's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, you guys, are, yeah. at 7 o'clock, I mean, people from all over the world are tuning in to find out what you guys are going to say. They do, seriously. It has become a wildly popular segment because if you love Curtis and what he's doing, you listen. If you hate Curtis, you listen. So it's become all that popular. I do want to ask you one more. Talk about billions of dollars in oil. What do you think about Joe Biden? Unleashing $6 billion, talking about oil, for the Iranians during well, this ridiculous uh, swap. Well, the truth is, and uh, the truth is, it was the Iranians' money. Right. This was money that was locked in. We froze it. And we froze it. Yeah. I'm not sure they collected any interest on it. So we gave them their own money back. And uh, <laughs> uh, I hope we put some restrictions on it because... Uh, when the Ayatollah or whoever went to the United Nations threatened, uh, Mike Pompeo all over again, threatened, uh, uh, John Boland, uh, Bo, uh, Ambassador Boland all over again. Yeah, Bolton. And, uh, and, uh, it's wrong. Yeah. You know, uh, they should have a little bit of control of themselves. Yeah. What do you uh, think? They, you, what, you know what's even worse? What's that? The Saudis already have a nuclear bombs. They have it. They paid for them. They own them. They're somewhere. My security clearance doesn't go that high up where where uh, where where they are. But the Iranians could use the six billion dollars to buy nukes. And don't we think that's what they're going and to do? It, 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 the Saudis have said if the Iranians have nukes, we're going to activate our nukes. They said that? Yes. They flat out said that? Yes. Well, you don't think they're taking that $6 billion and building churches and schools, do you? Uh, no, they're not They're, they're not feeding the poor. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, as we wrap up this great conversation, seriously, all kidding aside, between what's going on here in America with the economics, the migrants, all that, and all these countries that hate us that are making nuclear weapons and getting more money to do it, would you say, John... In your lifetime, this is one of the more scarier times. Listen, me and you, Sid, are going to be okay. What I worry about is our kids and grandkids to come. And that's what everybody out there listening to us this morning should worry about. It's not us. We're going to be okay. But our kids and grandkids, they're in deep trouble. You really believe that? Deep trouble. Those are the two words you just said, John Katzmatidis. That's that's big. Deep, Deep trouble. And um, wow. And you know what, what? In six weeks, we have fifty-one out of fifty-one city council seats coming up. And uh, I'm talking to Governor Pataki. I'm come, talking to Ed Cox and talking to Curtis. Who are the common sense? I don't care about Republicans or Democrats. Yeah. You know what I care about? 
common sense individuals to make sure they get elected. Well, I know two off the top of my head, Ari Kagan and, uh, uh, of course, uh, Inavernik. Is that the KGB guy? That's exactly who he is. Oh. <laughs> a Russian always spy. Remember, a CIA guy is always a CIA uh, I guy. Know. A KGB guy is always a KGB guy. I totally agree. But it's him or Justin Brannan. Justin Brannan must kind of be worse. A hundred times worse. We'll take the KGB guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have a great weekend. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. You too. I love you, John. And Thank happy, you. Happy uh, Yom Kippur. Thank you. I guess Thank I'm you. working for you on Monday. Oh, you are going to work them, Kipper, for me? Thank probably, you. Yeah. Thank you. I'll probably call and say hello to you before I right. go to Temple. Sounds okay. Good. Thank you. Thank there you. he is, folks. Uh, of course, 5 o'clock every weeknight with Rita Cosby. Has a great show every Sunday morning at 8, the Catch Round Table. Just one of the best human beings God ever created. My boss and my friend, John Katsimatidis. Still lots more to do. Joseph Takapina, Dr. Mark Siegel, and Kelly Ripper. All going to stop by the Friday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Autumn in New York that brings the promise of new love. Autumn in New York is often mingled with Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. This is George Strait, right? Good job. All right. Jules loves George Strait. Jules, old George Strait for you. 77 WABC listeners, now's your chance to win a pair of tickets before you can buy them to see George Strait and Chris Stapleton. I like Chris Stapleton. With Little Big Town, they're great. They're setting venue attendance records across seven stadium shows this summer. Country music icon, you hear him right here, George Strait. An eight-time Grammy Award winner, Chris Stapleton. Continue the excitement as they head to MetLife Stadium on Saturday, June 8th. Also returning alongside the King of Country and Stapleton, our special guest and Grammy Award-winning band, Little Big Town. Tickets go on sale today at 10 a.m. Ticketmaster will be calling number 7-1-800-848-WABC to me right now, and a pair of tickets are yours. Call the number 7 right now. Call one 800 848 9222 and next June you'll be going to see George Strait, Chris Stapleton, and Little Big Town. Make the call now. Good luck. But my live in Texas. All right. What a show today, my God. All kidding aside, man, this has been spectacular. Norman Seabrook, Curtis Sliwa, John Katsimatidis, Andrew Giuliani. Bruce Blakeman calling from Long Island after that horrific bus crash yesterday. We're still going to talk to Joe Tacopina, Dr. Mark Siegel, and Kelly Ripper. Yes, the queen of daytime television. She's my friend, you know. For some reason, Lewis takes offense to that. I don't know why, but... I'm starting to come around. Well, I'm just telling you that her publicist didn't want her to do this, you know. In fact, they canceled flat out last night, and an hour later, Artsia said, no, no, she, she wants to do it, so... Well, that's good. Good friends do that for each other. Right. That's great. So then why are you... What did you guys ma- talk about last night? Who, me and Kelly? Yeah. You. They, really? Yeah. 
About what? Well, she said, if I didn't marry Mara Consuelos, I've always wanted to bang Lou Rufino. Well, yeah. she, a little, little known to her, she forgets that night. <laughs> yeah. You know, we uh, did a lot of things when we used Is to Is that right? Out. Yeah, remember, yeah. You, you would leave me somewhere, and sure. then uh, Kelly would walk in. No, I see, I would leave you in Chelsea, and Kelly's an Upper East Side girl. So. No, that's now. Oh, oh, back then, I got it, right? right. It you just, have some imagination, I gotta tell you. Kid. Oh, yeah, hello, pot, I'm the kettle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, me. NFL Week 3 started last night with my football giants getting their asses kicked again, this time 30 to 12 in San Francisco. You know, the Niners have won 13 straight games dating back to last year, and Brock Purdy, as a starter in the NFL, is now 8-0. He's never lost a game. He's lost one playoff game, of course, to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, but he's never lost. And this guy, Christian McCaffrey, may be the best player in football. He may be. So the Giants got murdered. we got a big weekend of football still to come. Four college games later on tonight, including Wisconsin-Purdue. That's a big matchup. All-day football on Saturday, and then, of course, plenty of football coming up on uh, Sunday. So let me get to our guy from Juice Real, Juice Real, J-U-I-C-E, Real, R-E-E-L, the best app out there to figure out who's going to win, who's going to lose. Hey, Ricky, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, Sid, good morning. How are you? I'm good. What is this, uh, uh, this bot, this Robo Jackson? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but according to my information on Juice Real, Robo Jackson has won eight straight, and he's picked 13 of the last 14 correctly. He's now 21-13, and 13, a 62% win rate. It turns out that uh, Skip Bayless was profitable. Uh, this Robo Jackson is picking at an unbelievable rate. Now, what is that all about? You know, we're watching something unbelievable play out in real time in front of tens of thousands of people. The bot in our in our app it puts out two picks a day every day at noon. And, yeah, he just keeps winning. <laughs> and uh, really? you know, I'm waking up to, to DMs from, from uh, professional athletes and influencers like, what is going on? This is this is crazy. And, you know, we, myself and the team at Juicer, we built this. You never know how good it's going to be. And this is just one heck of a run. This, is this AI, uh, this Robo uh, Jackson, or no? Yeah, I mean, we have a, you know, with the as, as you and I'm sure your listeners by this point know, how our product works is you connect in your sports betting accounts, your DraftKings, your FanDuel, your bookie website, and all of your betting history loads into Juice Reel. And you get analytics on yourself. But that all, with everyone connecting in their sports books, we have a monster pool of, of data and and that's what the bot is sifting through. It's sifting through, you know, the, the tens and tens of thousands of people's data and picking out two two picks a day every day at noon that uh, it thinks is going to have the best chance of winning and puts it out to our whole user base within the app. And, yeah, it, it's one to eight straight. Uh, is, uh, the streak is still alive and uh, – we're hoping to go to 10 straight today. So All right. We'll see that in the afternoon. All right, coming up at noon. So let me grab, uh, give you a couple of games quickly before we get to Joe Tacopina, Dr. Mark Siegel, and Kelly Ripple. Last night, the Niners did cover easily first half in game in their win over the Giants. So if I throw a game at you right now, Ricky Gold, Juice Reel, and, uh, for example, uh, Miami, a college football game tomorrow, 
They're 4-0. I went there. Bernie Kosar is on this show all the time. My next guest, Joe Takapina, has kind of adopted the Hurricanes as his favorite team. They're a large uh, favorite, 24-point favorites at Temple. Not the Temple I'll be in Monday for Yom Kippur, the actual University of Pennsylvania. Miami minus 24 at Temple. Can you get that pick that quickly? Yeah, yeah, just searched it up. As you said, we're going to look at Miami Temple. Uh, the the data that, that uh, it's leaning towards the under, the sharp mush, which is the difference between what the smart bettors and the, the mush bettors are, are betting on on this game. The the sharps are taking the under, the, the mush are taking the over, and so that leads us to, to want to take the under in the Miami Temple game. Under Miami looking Temple. The, uh, yeah, two more. Yeah, looking at the lines there. Yeah. Uh, it, Depending on where you place your bet, you can get it at uh, under four, uh, under forty-seven and a half. Forty-seven, okay, forty-seven and a half. Uh, Ohio State is a three and a half point favorite at Notre Dame. That's the sixth ranked Buckeyes, the ninth ranked Irish. With this kid Sam Hartman, who came over from Wake Forest, he's a really good quarterback. I look at Notre Dame as a very live underdog. In fact, I put money on the money line for the Irish. I think they win this game outright. Getting three and a half against Ohio State. What does Juice Real say? I'm a little concerned that that the data is also saying to take uh, Notre Dame money line. Uh, there you go. On the same side as you say there, <laughs> I may have to go Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, if you're smart, you will. <laughs> uh, one more in college. It's actually a big Big Ten matchup tonight. The Badgers, Wisconsin on the road, favored by a little less than a touchdown against the Purdue Boilermakers. I know Juice Wheel and guys love the home dog, but I do think Wisconsin covers the number at Purdue later on tonight. What does Juice Wheel say? Yes, uh, I guess there's some sort of a uh, pattern that we're seeing between the Sharps uh, and the Mush because the, the Sharp Mush is looking to say Purdue uh, as a home dog. It's uh, where the date is leaning, but we'll watch that as uh, game okay. time gets closer. Okay, so you like the under Miami Temple. You like uh, Purdue plus the points hosting Wisconsin and uh, the Irish as a home dog on the money line. Two NFL games will let you run. Jets hosting New England. They're a two-point dog. Got their asses kicked last week in Dallas. And Bill Belichick's Patriots. Could they possibly start the season 0-3? Jets home dog on Sunday. What does Juice Real say? So the uh, strongest data point on that game is saying to take the over in the Jet game. Uh, and it's also mi- very mildly leaning uh, towards the Jets spread. I like the Jets uh, I'll be too. On the over, yeah. uh, and we'll see if that, we'll see about that that Jet spread. What is the uh, the total uh, on Juice Wheel for that uh, Jet game on Sunday? Uh, depending on where you place it, uh, you could get over thirty six or over thirty six and a half. Gotcha. And last one, interesting. I thought Justin Fields was going to be better. Talking about Ohio State, he's the Buckeye product. He's a starting quarterback for the Bears, and. Um, they're off to kind of a rough start. They lost that game in Tampa last week, and they're getting 13 in Kansas City. Chiefs, uh, you know, they did not cover week one. They lost outright to the Lions. They did cover last week the Chiefs uh, barely in a road win in Jacksonville, but a nearly a two-touchdown favorite, the Chiefs hosting the Bears. What does Juiceville say for Sunday? It's saying that the Bears uh, can cover with those 13 points. They're saying take the Bears plus the points, huh? Yeah, I would have thought that Justin Fields would have looked better as well, but um, hopefully maybe that's coming this week. All right, so, Ricky, on the way out, what's your message to folks that will play games tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, the next three days, lots of football? What's the juice wheel message for the weekend of NFL Week 3 and college football Week 4? 
Yeah, I mean, Juice Reel is about giving you the tools to give you the best chance for success. It also makes for just genuinely a fun experience. So if you're somebody who's betting more than, you know, once a month, yeah, use our tool. It's free, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Mickey, thank you, buddy. Great job as always. We'll talk again. I won't be here Monday because of the Um Kipper holiday. We'll talk later next week, okay? Good luck. Thank you. Have an easy fest. Oh, you too, Ricky. Thank you. You too. You and your pop, the whole family. All right. We, uh, we got a lot of guests still stopping by. Joe Tacopina, Dr. Mark Siegel, and my friend Kelly Ripper, the queen of daytime TV, makes her second visit to Sid and Friends in the morning. Kelly's coming up at 930. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy, you're my best friend. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. What's the time? It's time to get air. What's the time? It's time to get air. So what's the time? It's time to get air. So what's the time? It's time to get air. He's like Mariano Rivera, Joe Tacopini. He gets his own entry music. Before I get the tag... Just got a text from uh, one of the people I really love in this city, Paul DiGiacomo. Paul happens to be the head of the DEA, not the Drug Enforcement Agency, the Detectives Endowment Agency. And uh, all these guys love me, you know. we got a big show coming up, Back to Blue. We'll get to that. That's uh, coming your way, I believe, October the 20th. But anyway, uh, Paul sent me this column. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office dragged its feet in prosecuting a man for throwing urine. Listen to this, folks throwing urine at an NYPD detective, causing the charges against the sicko to get dismissed. The cops union claimed in a letter obtained by the Post, Kenneth Parizon, 27, was accused of throwing a container of urine at Detective Simon Lane's face, eyes, and mouth, and on his clothes at Manhattan Central Booking on Feb 10, 2020. This is according to the letter sent to D.A. Alvin Bragg by Detectives Endowment Association President, my friend Paul DiGiacomo, on Monday. Paul says New York City detectives risk their lives each and every day in order to keep our city safe and ensure justice is pursued for the victims of crime. The absolute disregard by the Manhattan D.A. in this important matter sends a message to criminals that there are no consequences for attacking detectives and only invites more violence against the police as well as the citizens of this city. And to be honest, that's one of the issues I've got with Eric. You know, and we texted each other last night, and he's not happy. He's either pissed or hurt, I don't know, but he was nice, but not happy. And if he ever does have a real conversation with me, sorry, Eric, I could do without pictures of you and Bragg smiling in the streets. He's not working hard. He's not doing a good job. He's... A scumbag. A scumbag, Eric Adams. Alvin Bragg, not you, Eric Adams. Uh, Alvin Bragg is a scumbag. Not just because of this story, but countless others, which my friend Jen Harrison knows too much about. But so does my next guest. He's the best defense attorney in the world. That's the bottom line. I know a lot of great defense attorneys. My wife is one. But nobody's better than Joe Tacopina. How do I know? Because when President Donald Trump gets into trouble, who does he call? Joe. And, so, and, and Trump's in trouble all the time, so uh, he calls Joe all the time. Uh, that's all you need to know, and a friend of mine for 46 years. You know, I just got a phone call yesterday. You're not going to believe this, Joe. I was uh, talking to Arthur Idala, your friend, 
and he put somebody on the phone who was in the same exact carpool as you, me, and George Small on the way to Poly Prep 46 years ago, a man by the name of Bruce Jarrett. Bruce. I bumped into Bruce on the street. He told me. And we, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. And he wants us to all get together. We should do that. I mean, do you understand what a great book that would be? A book. I mean, me, you, Bruce. <laughs> well, that wasn't a carpool. But, but all these other people, Lyle Hayes down from, um, you know, from the, the the courts downtown, the chief clerk down there. I mean, we had really a bunch of misfits in a car that had really no chance of, <laughs> of doing anything substantial in life that wound up doing all right for themselves, all, all four of us. What so, do you mean all right for them? We we run, great, let me tell you something, Joe. You're, you're being very humble. We run this city, bitch. We run it. <laughs> That's why I said you privately offline. <laughs> yes. In fact, we do. In fact, we do. Yes, we do. Try to be humble. And, yeah. Well, I'm right. We do. Yeah. I'm not humble. Yeah. Um, listen, I got to ask you, for some reason, and I felt badly saying this because clearly I'm not part of the big party, but I don't seem to care all that much about Joe Jonas and Sophia Turner. I just, I just don't care. But, but a story that does involve a celebrity, which is really uh, big, I believe, is uh, Russell Brand. Now, Russell Brand was married to the girl who's on, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, uh, the big uh, the show that finds uh, superstars. What is it called? Um, not The Voice, the other one. Um, not America Got Talent. Talent, who's got talent? No. Oh, what's the show? I don't, Lou- watch, I don't watch these things. I don't watch television. No, she's on with Lionel Richie and Luke Bryan. It's like the first one ever that Simon Cowell started. Anyway, uh, Russell Brand, big tech plays judge, jury, and executioner. Before a trial again, tell me about this. It's you know it's it's listen. I don't know Russell Brand from a hole in the wall. He could be a horrific person, or he could be a great person. He could be guilty, or he could be not guilty. But what I do know is that accusations today in our world are enough to destroy someone's life and remove their ability to make money. Um, that's what happened with Russell Brand. I mean, you know, the, the, the this feverish push to make sure he's he's demonized in every way in every online platform. He's been accused of some serious sexual offenses from many, many years ago, right? And he may be a terrible person. I don't know. But there's nothing that's been adjudicated yet. So he hasn't been charged with anything. An accusation doesn't make it acceptable to take away someone's livelihood or job or or to fire them. I mean, we see it happening time and again. And I get it. We live in this bifurcated world. We take sides, right? We we read a headline and we decide he's guilty or he's innocent. Um, You know, or when we don't read anything, we just don't like Russell Brand, right? And he's guilty, and we don't care. We get caught up in this frenzy. And look, the Me Too era was the hallmark of that hysteria. It started with some serious allegations of misconduct and ended with, with a host of actors accused of, of, you know, wrongdoing, you know, offering wine to a date. Uh, or, or Norm MacDonald, that comedian, was disinvited from late-night television yep. talking about forgiveness for the canceled. That's all he did, talking yep. about forgiveness for the canceled. And it just doesn't seem like we're learning from that because here we go again. Russell Bland has been dis- convicted by, by the public opinion, has been put out of a job. I mean, basically, he's not allowed YouTube suspended his ability to make money on his online platform. That is his livelihood. That's his job. It's how you like, you get paid from, the, from, from John and then the radio company. I, I get paid from clients. He gets paid doing that, and it's, it's you know, there should be a process before we destroy someone's life, reputation, and career. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not advocating for Russell Brand. You know, I don't know if he's, he's innocent, guilty, or not, but this is crazy. Look, do you remember what happened with that poor guy 
a nobody, an IT guy who, who you know, was ordering stuff from Amazon, and all of a sudden Amazon, which has much more impact in our world than we think, right? You order food from there, you order clothes from there, you order everything from there, batteries, your, your Alexa thing is run from there, your house is run from there. This guy was, was basically canceled, okay? Because an Amazon driver said he used a racial slur when he went to deliver a package. And it was, Amazon didn't investigate, they just shut this guy down. And he was publicized. What it turned out was this guy, this, this Brandon Jackson, <coughs> was black. And no one was home when the employee claimed to have heard the comments. It was a, a doorbell, one of these, you know, automatic doorbells that said, hi, can I help you? And so we're just at the point now where we really have to take a breath because it's not good for any of us. It's not good for any of us. Well, I agree. Uh, the show is American Idol. I agree. No, we're, it's a very, very dangerous and scary world out there. So I know you know this. Um, this governor, this Kathy Hochul, who I detest, Joseph. I don't dislike her. I detest her. Me too. She um she came out the other day and decided that she's going to have this uh, presidential primary here in New York on April second or one of those dates and oh my what 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 a coincidence it turns out that the date Hoko chose may in fact be a date when your client our friend President Donald Trump may be in court. Now, I don't care if you like him. You and I do. I don't care if you like him. I don't care if you hate his guts. I don't care. Right. Look at this. This is another example, the governor of New York, of election interference. Or am I wrong? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. The problem is she's wrong because that trial's not going. It's in the Manhattan case. That's you know my case. That's not going. Um, on, on March 25th or the trial being set um, because there's another trial that was set the day before Super Tuesday, okay, by a federal court judge in Washington, D.C. Um, you know, these, these coincidences are really piling up, aren't they? I mean, I've been indicted charged for years and years after committing these acts. All of a sudden, within within five or six months of, of becoming the, the, the presidential front runner again, all of a sudden, four indictments come down the pike. Four indictments, not one, four. And and all of a sudden, the dates for trial, like, I mean, the Georgia DA, really, I mean, honest to God, lost her mind. It's a 19-count RICO indictment. There's a case down there with a bunch of rappers that I was asked to be involved in with Young Gunner and all these guys, right? That was also a RICO, a state RICO indictment. It took like years before trial, years. This one wanted to be going to trial in October for a 19-count RICO indictment. That was, you know, uh, charged a few months ago. So clearly, everyone has an agenda. I mean, the judge in, in D.C. set a very complex trial, federal trial, regarding insurrection. I mean, this is a, a landmark case by all, by all accounts. It's going to be set for trial on March, I think it's 2nd or 4th, but it's the day before Super Tuesday. <laughs> and, and, and so to me, it's something that is, come on. We're, we can't. We're, you know, none of us were born yesterday, for God's sake. <laughs> so now we have Kathy Hochul setting this this trial. Um, the, the I mean, sorry, the primary for the day or smack dab in the middle of what should be the Manhattan criminal hush money case. But that's not going to happen because that Washington case is going first, and that was made clear, I think, by the DC gotcha. District Court judge. Gotcha. Um, and I think our judge um, has, has made it pretty clear. Judge Marchand has made it pretty clear that he's going to acquiesce. So. But, you know, the point is, right now, that's on schedule for a trial. And so right in the middle of a trial will be the state's presidential primary. 
Um, it's, it's, it's what the plan was, right? Keep him in a courtroom every day of the week through the primaries, through the elections, through the campaign. It's working. I guess. I don't know. I, I, would, I mean, of course it's not. I would ask you, Joe, that, um, you know, the... It's working. When I say it's working, so let me, let me hold on. Let me just make him say something clear. The poll numbers keep soaring. He's getting more strength. He's getting more internal fortitude. He's getting more supporters and more money than ever. It's working in the sense that the schedule and the calendar is going to wind up being problematic. I mean, he's only one person. He can't, like, clone himself, right? I mean, so that's the point. The criminal trial, your attendance is not optional, like a civil case. You must be there. And if these trials are really going to go on those dates that we're talking about, he's going to be in the courtroom from Monday through Friday every single day. So what is, I'm curious, uh, see, I, I find your, our conversations are so fascinating. You know, I mean, we have a lot of fun talk sports and the Russell Brand stuff was great and yeah. you're very yeah. sexy. But I find these conversations <laughs> to be so fascinating. So uh, I know that the, the E. Jean Carroll case, which again, I say it all the time, you won. You won that case. You did not rape her, bottom line. And then the Alvin Bragg stuff. Now that, that was pretty much bunched together. And there was a time there where you were talking to the president uh, daily, if not more than once a day. What is the communication like now between Joe Takapina and Trump? Um, as needed, look, he's doing a lot of things right now. Right now, I'm not on trial with him. And the, the Manhattan case is certainly, in the big scheme of things, is taking a, a, a back burner sort of stance, right? I mean, you have a, a classified documents case that's heating up, and, and his lawyer's there, uh, and being primarily Todd Blanche, who's a phenomenal lawyer, He's in great hands with Todd in dealing with that case. John Laurel in D.C., who's a fighter and a great lawyer and a good friend. These two guys are my friends, and, and I tell you, he's very lucky to have both John Laurel and Todd Blanche. Um, so that's really the focus right now. I, I'm not involved in those cases uh, by design, and um, so it's just a matter of, of really as needed I'm here. Look, whenever there's a need for me to, to jump on a call and, and have a brainstorming session, I'm available, I'm ready. Um, when, it, when, it, when, it, when it's required, I'm there. But, you know, he's got a few things going on right now. Uh, three other indictments, uh, a Georgia case that, you know, they're looking to ratchet up, and there's going to be a trial in literally, say, a month of wow. two of the defendants in that case. Wow. And that's going to be not insignificant. Well, the president won't be on trial with them. It's going to be a sneak preview of the evidence against him. And it's going to be interesting to see how these co-defendants of his were being tried separately. Do they dump on him? Do they embrace him? Do they say, well, it wasn't my fault he told me to do this or what? I mean, that's a lot of a lot of really um, developments are going to unfold in the next month with that case in Georgia. So it's just, it's, it's, there's so much going on right now. It's almost unfathomable to really cap- comprehend the mm. magnitude of this. Look, I know the lawyers on the documents case, those are right classified documents. And, and I'm not going to go into details, but I know they have to be sequestered in a room to review these documents for hours on end without a, a computer, a cell oh. phone, anything. Oh. Right? So you're in like a dungeon. Oh my for, God. Reviewing thousands and thousands of pages for time on end for, for I mean so that's it's 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 a gargantuan chat it really is and we're you know we're we're really everyone seems fine with it because it's Donald Trump but if it was any other citizen accused there would be an outrage oh, an outrage forget about it, of course being Jimmy Ray uh, of course Jimmy Ray. and that's what I can't stand whether you like Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump that's not my issue you feel free to feel however you want about him okay what I don't like is for any citizen Okay, to be run over by a justice system that's being weaponized and politicized. And that is exactly what's going on here. So there's nobody. I don't care how far left you are. You can't argue with a straight face that that's not happening here. It just is. It just is. 
Uh, you couldn't say it better, so I really want to wrap it up here because that was brilliant, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give you 60 more seconds because I'm compelled to talk sports with you because that's how you and I became friends almost 50 years ago. Uh, what game matters more to Joe Tacopina? Saturday, Miami versus Temple, or Sunday, Raiders versus Steelers? So my son Chris will listen to this and call me immediately after us. He listens to your show every time. <laughs> I love Chris. I know he listens. I love Chris. He, he listens like religiously. Like and but he, so so he's a Raider diet. I'm a Raider diet. We bleed the black and silver. We really do. But uh, you know, I'm it's like being a Met fan. There's just so much abuse you can take. So I, I, I'm watching the Raiders, but you know they're they're still the Raiders. Jimmy Garoppolo was our answer. I mean, right? That was the answer. We got rid of Carr to get someone who's probably not as good as far. Right. So, I, I, I honestly, I want the Raiders to win. I love the Raiders. They'll always be my heart. Mark Davis is Al Suggs. I love him. But right now, I am so Hurricanes first on everything. And, and this is a year that I, and I, I've been thinking about it. I really think we could surprise people wind up in a national championship. Oh, God, I hope so. So, you know, yeah. we have a couple of big games. Clemson and FSU are the big ones. Obviously, we have North Carolina still coming up. Yep. But Clemson, yep. FSU, North Carolina. Uh, we can do something here. No, I think so. Really, and really by the good. way, talking about Clemson and FSU, they go head-to-head tomorrow, that game in uh, Death Valley. Clemson hosting Florida State, who really struggled last week against Boston College. And North Carolina, they got that great quarterback and a very aggressive defense, but yeah. they struggled week two, too. So uh, we will see Joseph Tacopina, but as always, this was a great, not good, but great conversation. I love you to pieces. And just so you know, Pete Morgan is already sending me, already sending me tickets for the Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes coming up on November 2nd. How about that? I'll see you there for sure. You know that. Damn right. I love you, pal. Great job, Joseph. Great. Okay, brother. Love you, too. There he is, the best defense attorney in the world, not just the country, the world, Joseph Tacopino. Very busy 9 o'clock hour to come. We're going to talk to my man from Fox News, great doctor, Dr. Mark Siegel. I got Nick tickets this year because of Dr. Mark Siegel. And then coming up at 9.30, making her second appearance, my friend, Lewis, my friend, the queen of daytime television, Kelly Ripper. Hour number four about to come your way. In the morning, 77 WABC. I hear that oh, a lot, geez. that I'm, I'm not good anymore because I'm woke. I, I, my whole career, I've well, been hearing. Well, maybe Metamucil is woke. Stop eating it. Yeah. By the way, I kind of take that as a compliment that I'm woke. I'll tell you how I um, feel about it. To me, the opposite of woke is being asleep. And if woke means... I can't get behind Trump, which is what I think it means, or that I support people who want to be transgender or I'm for the vaccine. Dude, call me woke as you want. I'm not for stupidity. You know, 
I ran out Friday morning. I was over at CVS. Thank you, CVS. I went over there 9 a.m. and got myself that new vaccine for COVID. And science, this country is so great. That's all I want. I am no, thank you. Okay, thank you. And Shut I up. love it. All right, thank you. I want to be awake. Yeah, I want to read. Shut up, Howard. My God. Howard Stern, he ran out and got the new vaccine. I don't even know what the new vaccine is, but Dr. Mark Siegel, of course, Fox News, he know what that new vaccine is. Dr. Mark, how are you, buddy? By the way, before I talk about the new vaccine, Sid, I want to talk about James Dolan, who says, owner of the New York Knicks and Rangers, our beloved team says that he won't be beloved until he's dead. And I have a word for him. Remember that Charles Oakley scene when you had our hero taken away in handcuffs? <laughs> yes. That's what they're going to talk about after you're gone, Dolan. Are you kidding? Yeah, they did take uh, Oakley out of there in handcuffs. There was, was a lot of mixed uh, reports on how Charles behaved that night. And, uh, you know, fair. you know, the diehard Nick fan will I, I'll always love Oak. I love Oak. I always That's will. That's a fair point. Yeah, but you know there was there was some other people who said, well, Charles may have been a bit out of control, but who knows? Anyway, uh, so Howard Stern, there you heard that he was yelling and screaming a couple of days ago that um, he's woke and I'm happy I'm woke and blah blah blah. And he's all for the vaccines and he went to CVS early Friday morning and he got the new vaccine. What exactly is he talking about uh, this new vaccine and are people running out to get it like Howard Stern? Well, Howard Stern is ancient. I, I don't know what age he is, but he, he may be pushing 90 or something. But I, I think, the, first of all, the new vaccine is not a new vaccine. It's, it's, it's a slight change of the previous vaccine to target the subvariants that are out there. It's supposed to be an individual choice, not something that people push on you like they did before, turning off half or more of the entire American population. I think we got to get doctors back into the loop here where you talk to a patient, not Howard Stern saying, I'm going to get it. How about a doctor talking over your history? You know, when did you have COVID last? Uh, what at risk are you? Are you immunocompromised? Do you have chronic diseases? Are you elderly? Are you obese? And then make a, a, a decision with you and your patient. What happened the last time you had a vaccine? I'm not particularly afraid or worried about this vaccine. I don't think it's going to get a lot of uptake for a couple of reasons. First of all, CDC pushing it for six months and up. Last I spoke to a six-month-old, they're not agreeing to it. And, and you know, the, the other part is that I was told I was going to have it in the doctor's office, and I'm not. It's not coming to a doctor's office near you. It's going to be CVS vaccine centers again, and that takes me out of the loop. So yeah. I can't have that conversation I want to have with the patient. I didn't talk to Howard Stern. He didn't call me. <laughs> would you, if he did, would you talk to him? Because, I mean, you're on Fox News. Fox News, I guess, is kind of like the enemy of people like Howard Stern. You know, he watches Joe and Mika every morning and talks about it on his radio show. He loves Joe and Mika, so which is beyond ridiculous because they're two of the worst people God ever created. So if Stern was to call you, would you pick up the call? His money is green. Got a lot of it, too. By the way, I have an amazing answer for that you're not expecting, but I actually never watched Joe and Mika, although many, many years ago when Joe was a Republican, I would actually be on with him. 
And uh, I found out that when I interviewed Trump in 2020 and he came out with that famous line, uh, person, woman, man, camera, TV, uh, that actually Joe's show and the senior White House correspondent from NBC praised me for listening and not interrupting. And I was thinking, I don't interrupt. Sid doesn't interrupt me. I don't interrupt Sid. We were brought up, Sid, we're tough guys from New York, but we were brought up not to interrupt people. So that was the one moment when I felt I was treated well by that show. Otherwise, otherwise I don't watch it. But your question, would I take a call from Howard Stern? Of course. By the way, I, I have a show on Sirius XM. They probably forced me to take a call from Howard Stern. <laughs> That's great. Now, listen, I still love Howard. I hate his politics. And every now and then he sounds really stupid, not even ignorant, but stupid for a brilliant man. But um, I'm, I'm the type of guy, if you've got talent and he's got it in spades, I can't help but appreciate it, whether it's Robert De Niro or Howard Stern or all these people that have become, quote-unquote, America's, uh, I guess, villains. I do want to ask you, though, uh, something but, but that— By the way, I want to interrupt you, you know, because I think you were hinting at something else. We don't need the woke ideology. We don't need any ideology. We don't need people trying to tell us how to think or the correct way to think. I, I actually interviewed Governor Yunkin this past week from Virginia, and I was very impressed that his new mental health initiative is based on family, Sid. It's based on community and connectivity and not this superimposed platitudes for once. I love that. I love him. And uh, he's a guy, of course, that really won that election over McAuliffe in Virginia because he made it about the kids and education, you may remember. And uh, that's why Yunkin arrived on the national scene. You know, Dr. Mark, I was thinking um, a couple of days ago with the COVID thing popping up. But before COVID, I remember seeing like Sanjay Gupta on CNN. And, of course, Dr. Oz was popular. He's a doctor. And you have uh, Dr. Phil, and he was popular. But Kind of like with O.J., when O.J., when that trial went down, so many people, so many lawyers, lawyers specifically became famous like Greta Van Susteren because of O.J. And because of COVID, there are a lot of doctors. I know you've been doing this a long time, Dr. Mark, on Fox News and going back to the days of George Bush, who did great interviews. But a lot of you guys really became household names since COVID. So what do you do now if there's not a major COVID story how do all these doctors continue to get airtime on all these cable shows? What exactly are they talking about? Well, you're making a really good point. You don't want them bringing back the hype. We don't need this 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 pseudo debate about what to do now. So we don't need people saber rattling. I wrote a book about fear years ago and another one about fear. I don't want to hear any more fear about COVID. Let's let's figure out the word tools and let's talk about re- rebuilding our socialization issues. I think if you're really a professional like you are and like I am, you figure out topics to talk about. But I think you're right. I think there were people that were instant oatmeal that were created over a pandemic and, and maybe they're trying trying to figure out uh, what to do now, but I have some advice for them. Don't just Google it. Try to figure out what you're talking about. That would help, right? I mean, for example, this is uh, Prostate Awareness Month, and uh, Bernard, my, my partner, who you loved and he loved you, he passed away October 5th of last year, so we're getting, uh, you know, I guess sorry to say, but very close to the, not the anniversary, the commemoration of uh, the day he died about a year ago. And I've talked to a doctor or two. The station wanted us to talk to doctors about uh, prostate cancer. And you and I have had these conversations, and Bernie, uh, a million times. And, uh, look, it seems to be the same discussion every time, Doc Siegel, which is get tested. Don't wait till you're 50. Maybe do it at 40 now. Keep an eye on that uh, that PSA economy. It's basically the same conversation, yes? 
I want to enter it from a different angle that's in the theme of our interview this morning, which is the government is telling you not to check a PSA, the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force. They're flat out wrong. You know what they're really saying? They don't trust doctors to interpret a result. We need tools, and one of the best tools is the PSA. If I know that the prostate-specific antigen is elevated, I have to figure out why. Doesn't mean I have to biopsy you. Doesn't mean I have to be worried. It might just be elevated because your prostate is large or because you have a uh, you have some kind of infection or you you did something you were something naughty you weren't supposed to I don't know but I track the PSA and 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 they do a big disservice trying to make everything like a digit one or none yes or no do or don't do you need the art of medicine here you need to know the family history you need to know how to do a prostate exam and you're already hinting about it the younger the better cuz we're seeing we're seeing prostate cancer in younger and younger men one other point on prostate cancer is our imaging is going up in a really great way so more and more patients don't get their prostate removed right away they might they might be followed with MRIs they might get different treatments now we have a lot more to offer than we used to wow on the way out uh, you know unfortunately because of covid and and all the uh, corruption a lot of corruption from anthony fauci on down i lost a tremendous amount of respect in fact all of it for the CDC. I don't respect them. I don't find them to be credible anymore. WHO as well and other organizations, but specifically the CDC. So anytime I hear, well, the CDC recommends this, this is just me. I'm not a doctor. I'm not all that smart. But I'm like, who cares what the CDC recommends? They eff this thing up from every direction, every one. Am I being too hard on those folks? No, but I want to I want to I want to put some nuance in there, which you'll like, Sid. I think it's the pulpit that's the problem. People getting up on that pulpit, like you saw the ridiculous pictures of President Biden saying wear a mask as he took his off to whisper to somebody next to him. I mean, there was no, you know, I used to say there's a mask that says Democrat on it that people wear over their chin only. People wearing cloth masks. People wearing masks down the street when no one was near them. People riding bicycles with masks but no helmet. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. It, it was ridiculous. There was no nuance. There, there was no practicing doctors. You're right. There were plenty of instant oatmeal doctors. I just thought of that term now. Instant oatmeal I doctors. Love that. But there weren't yeah. there weren't people in the in the examining room talking. And so you got a lot of dogma and demands and mandates. And I I took care of many patients who lost their jobs because they refused a vaccine because they had just have COVID. And I didn't want them to get a vaccine then. And I would write a letter and it, w- it would work or it wouldn't work. And so I, I don't think we needed we needed vilification we didn't need it on the left and we didn't need it on the right choice is not about vilification you are the best you know that dr mark siegel you are the absolute best i love you to pieces every time you're on you're better than the last time if that's possible so thank you for stopping by today have yourself a great weekend an easy fast on Monday, and we'll do this again very, very soon, buddy. Thank I you. still think the Knicks could use a new owner. James Dolan, I love you, but you <laughs> inherited this team. Why don't you sell it? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, a lot of New Yorkers agree with you, big guy. A lot of New Yorkers <laughs> agree with you. Thank you, Dr. Mark. Thanks, Ed. Good All right, the you. best. Dr. Thank Mark Siegel, great job. Really great. We'll take a uh, short break. When we get back, she's going to make her second appearance on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Queen of daytime television, her book, Live Wire, a New York Times bestseller, paperback as of Tuesday, September the 19th. Kelly Ripper with Sid is coming up next.
friends in the morning. 77 WABC. I spoke to a, a, a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg, who I had not ever spoken Got to an interview with. And we used to work in the same building, and I was like, how is it possible we've never even bumped into each other? Like, when I worked at All My Children, that's where that broadcast center is. And I was like, how have we never spoken to each other before? Anyway, he, too, has written a book. And he was giving my book such props, and I said, you know, I'm going to give your book, I'll give it a plug on my show, because I talk show. Yeah, you got a show. You're not the only one. This is like a radio show on TV, right? In fairness, I have not read his book yet because I just got it this morning because I ordered it on Amazon because I went to the bookstore. It wasn't there, so I had to order it. So it just came this morning. I'm so grateful to have it. But it's called Citizens United, and I promised him I would hold it up on the air, and I will read it, but I haven't read it yet. Um, uh, And I think it's a lot of from Audrey was trying to read it quickly backstage. She said, You were trying to read the whole book backstage? Well, okay. it, Audrey's a fast reader, and I was like, I, I haven't read it yet. I just got it this morning. I literally downloaded the box. So she said that it's, uh, uh, you, you said that it's his life's story with sports and like wellness and fitness, pop culture references, and his opinion on everything. Yes. Unvarnished okay. opinion. Unvarnished opinion. Okay, good. Okay, good. Well, I will let you know about it after I read it. Girl, you'll be a woman soon. Unvarnished opinion. I'm trying to remember if I ever had an opinion that wasn't unvarnished. Maybe that's why I'm number one in New York and have had this tremendous success. But whatever success I've had, it pales in comparison to my next guest, who ever since that day, I uh, I tell everybody I'm in love with. No disrespect to Mark Consuelos, who I've met a bunch of times, mind you. I love Mark. And I think they're great together on television. But Kelly Ripper is not only a tremendous talent, tremendous talent, adorable. But she is a woman of her word. She really is. And her book, Live Wire, which is a New York Times bestseller, came out in paperback September the 19th, this Tuesday. So here she is, in my opinion, the queen of daytime television, the best in the business, and a forever friend, Kelly Ripper. Kelly, good morning. How are you? Oh, Sid, good morning. Thank you for that warm welcome. And how dare you play my own voice back to me? <laughs> Wait, you know, it's funny you say that because there are days in my career when I'm off and I'll play best of and I'll be in the car and I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm terrible. What do you mean I'm good? I'm terrible. You, you, you feel like that? You get nervous hearing your own voice? Sid, let me tell you something. I have one of the worst voices in broadcast. No, you it don't. fascinating. I truly do, and that radio, the the uh, television clip you just played on the radio is proof of that to me. <laughs> but there's, you know, there's certain like, what can I do about it? You know, your voice, however, I find is very soothing and very listenable, and you are the best in the business for a reason. Oh my god! And you and also you have like uh, the tonality, uh, like you know what you're getting right away. It's like. I'm Sid Rosenberg, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm going to give it to you straight, right? Like, that's what you're going to get. I have, the, I always say that I have the tone and quality of a, a dolphin being <laughs> stressed 
down a chalkboard. It's like squeaky and terrible. So I apologize to your listeners in advance. No, yeah. What you said about me was was over the top, uh, and and believe me, flattery works. Just trust me. Uh, It was over the top and lovely. But what you said about yourself is not true. You got a beautiful voice, and you're the best on television. And I got to tell you, and I want to get to the book here in a second. But I have to tell you that I'm your number one fan now. So. And I would, uh, you know, I don't get to see the show every day because I'm on the air the same time as your show. But I watch clips. I'm in the cab. I see it every day. And uh, and I was very angry, very angry with Mark. Because I met your husband, Mark, a bunch of times in Vegas, actually, when your son was, was young at uh, the Mayweather-De La Hoya fight. And uh, he's a sweet guy. At, and you guys are great together on TV. And I found it really gross that uh, folks went after you and your husband so hard when you first started. It was like, come on, man. It, it wasn't even fair. You know. You know, Sid, I understand. Listen, I have, as you know, I came on as the new girl when I worked with Regis. And although there wasn't social media, there were the tabloids. And so I was attacked. And I remember Kathy Lee sending me a note, like sort of preemptively warning me that I would be attacked. And I, I got it. I understood. And then when I changed hosts, every time there's a host change, the show gets attacked. So it's nothing that I wasn't prepared for. It's nothing that I wasn't ready for. I, you know, and, and, and I prepared Mark. I said, and I prepared Ryan also. It's like, this is what happens when there is turnover in the show. And I get it. I understand it. I am the same way. When hosts change at a show or a program that I listen to, I vow that I'm never watching it again. <laughs> you know, I, like I am, I'm on everybody's side because I get it. I've been the viewer. I've been the listener. And so I understand people don't like change. Um, and Mark makes perfect sense because he has been a member of the show's ancillary cast for 25, 23 years that I've been there, Mark has been filling in. So it made sense. And it was very much continuity and consistency. And people almost immediately warmed up to him. But you have to prepare yourself. And you know this. You've been in the business a long time. When there is any change, people are resistant to change. No, they are. You're right. But, you know, it's one thing when you're talking about, like you said, Weegis or Strahan or Ryan and now you got, it's your husband, you know, and, and, uh, and he's a tough guy. I know Mark, he's a tough guy. You ain't gonna let anything bother him. You know, but he takes nothing yeah, personally. Yeah. He's good like that. But, it, and, and the book, the book Live Wire is, is before you guys became a team. Now you gotta write another book, how a husband wife combination ran daytime television. But, uh, the oh, book is, <laughs> <laughs> because I have to tell you, everybody says, they go, would you want your wife Danielle to be working with you on the radio show every day? And I go, yeah, I, I, I you know, I gotta think about that i don't know i mean that's got to be uh and we'll get to live wire in a second but you know that danielle could totally handle it <laughs> she'd probably be better than me you're right you're right you're right yeah so so in the book live wire you do go back kelly kelly ripper the great kelly ripper and you talk about uh, all your prior experiences on tv and and your prior hosts and and all the stories uh as a mother as a wife as a daughter uh, that actually kind of got you to where you are today, which is, uh, to your credit, the very, very top of the totem pole in daytime television. And it wasn't always pretty, and it wasn't always great. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, 
know, I mean, I think that when you come in, you know, you have to understand, I sort of stumbled my way into an acting career. I've been very, very fortunate. Um, I've, I've never been the most talented. I've never been the best looking. We obviously know that my voice is terrible, um, <laughs> but I... I out I will outwork everyone. Like I work I know that I work harder. And so there's something to be said and I think your book touches on this. Hard work is a thing. It's a thing that matters. Showing up, being reliable, working hard. These are things that 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 aren't special gifts but are not always harnessed. And I like to say that what I lack in talent I make up for in just grit and determination and hard work. Do you really feel that way, though? I mean, it's, it's, it's humble, and it sounds great, and you've got a beautiful heart, and you've got a good soul, Kelly Ripper. But do you really feel that you, you lack in talent? Because I look at you, and I see both. I see a woman that works very, 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 very hard, and I see a woman that's got a tremendous amount of talent but do you really feel that way because you know i know that i'm, I'm very i i have self-esteem issues and i'm very very insecure so if you're like that i think i like you even more <laughs> no i mean i think i'm very insecure but i've you know it, i spend enough time it, it, it's 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 what uh malcolm gladwell says right like if you do something for ten thousand hours then you're an expert at it so i figure okay so I, I'm not a natural broadcaster. I didn't really know much about the business at all. And it took me about eight to 10 years, eight to 10 years to feel like I understood broadcasting on any level. Whereas Mark Consuelos, my husband, who was also an actor, came in and I would say it took him about three weeks <laughs> get to where it took me eight to 10 years. Hmm. So that's what I'm like, when I say a lack of talent, I mean, maybe it's insecurity talking, but I truly feel like I didn't understand the job that I had for eight to 10 years. And merciful God, everybody was really patient with me, really sort of pulled me through those initial eight to 10 years. And you know, so now do I feel like I understand the assignment? Yes. Yeah. But it took me a really long time to get there. But I'm not a quitter. So I'm not somebody that gets uncomfortable and then just walks away. It's like I get uncomfortable and I, I lean into that. I, I try to figure out why. You know, my dad was a bus driver for 30 years, Sid. And he used to say to me every day, Keep your nose to the grindstone. Just mm. keep your nose to the grindstone. Keep mm. your head down yeah. and chipping away, and eventually it will click. And and finally, you know, I would say it was about like my tenth anniversary on the show that I was like, okay, maybe I can, maybe I yeah. can do. This. <laughs> yeah, is your dad still alive, Kelly? Yeah, he's still alive. Oh, good. And uh, he must be so proud. He's, uh, he is. He's still working. And um, you'll you'll appreciate this. So my dad, uh, he retired uh, and became a president of the labor union, and then he went into local politics. And he's the county clerk of Camden, New Jersey. Oh, and and I find my dad endlessly entertaining. 
He's just yeah. one of the naturally yeah. funniest yeah. people I've it's ever funny, met. It's funny. My, my father, uh, who I lost in July of 2020, he's gone three years. Same thing. Wildly entertaining. Kelly, smart, yeah. funny. And uh, he died, and I've, I've really never been the same. I, I, I heard that, and I, and I thought it may be the case, but it really is true. That's right. You are a Jersey girl. So, uh, when, yeah. when, when I'm, pe- sorry. I'm sorry that you lost your dad. I well, really thank am. You. Because thank I, you. I yeah. understand what, what that means, and it's the, it's the one of my biggest fears in the world, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it's awful. But, um, look, you've got a beautiful family, and... And so many people love you. So when people go out and they buy the, now it's the paperback version, folks. Don't forget, it came out three days ago on Tuesday, September the 19th, of Kelly's New York Times bestseller, a wildly entertaining great book, Live Wire. When people read this book, and I mean that, Kel, when people read this book, what do you want them to take away from it? What is what is your ultimate message to the reader of Live Wire? I think the ultimate message is is that you can see people uh, that look polished and they look like they know what they're doing and they look like they've got the world at their fingertips. And really, at the end of the day, they're a hot mess just trying to get through. <laughs> they're just trying to get through their job, trying to get through their family, trying to make their kids upstanding, respectable human beings and doing the best they can. And usually, for the most part, failing with intermittent successes. And I think that is the relatable quality. I think that's why people uh, went out, you know, the first time around and and got that hardcover book because it really did, it struck a nerve with people. They, I think they expected it to be one thing and it turned out to be a book with a lot of heart, a lot of funny stories, but mostly a relatable a conversation starter because we all are part of a family. We all grow up somewhere. We all have to go get a job eventually and work hard. And then eventually, if we're raising children, they will grow up and they will leave the nest. And then what? And that's really what the story is. I compel all of you out there to go buy this book today. Live Wire, it is in the paperback and hardcover, but the paperback just came out three days ago. And uh, all those words you just used on the way out, Kelly, to describe your book, describe you to the T. Uh-huh. I, I, I think you're great. I love you. I, I really do love you. What you did for me, and it didn't matter how many books I sold that day. I didn't care if I sold one or a million. It didn't matter. The fact that you did what you did, I was a fan of yours anyway, to be honest, a huge fan, huge. Uh, but what, when you did what you did, that, you know, and, and, and today people just don't follow up on their word. And that was uh, over the top nice. So I wish you nothing but the best of luck and success with the book and stay number one daytime. And you're beautiful. You're great. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much, Sid. Always great to talk to you. I really appreciate it. You too. Stay good. All right. Good luck. There she is. Kelly Ripper. Go get the book today, folks paperback version live wire came out on tuesday talk radio 77 wabc this is sit in friends in the morning 77 wabc Fire, I believe. Love is a banquet on which we feed. 
Art Sears doing the uh, tour with Kelly. You were great as always, my man. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Art. What are you laughing at? This is Patty Smith or Patty Smythe. No, this is how I know yeah. there's only one thing on your mind right now. And what would that be? No, just what just happened. But Kelly? Yes. You are so enamored of the last 15 minutes. No, 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 no. I no. asked you if this was Patty Smith or Patty Smythe. And I'm getting to it. Yeah. You can't even tell who is singing right well, now. It's neither one of those people, by the way. Is that true? Unbelievable. This is, you are going to hit yourself. Listen. Because the night. You don't know who the female is singing. Natalie Merchant? They're off. God. Finally, we got All right. I, I didn't listen close enough. Oh. But I did get it. 10,000 minutes. Ten, I love them. Yes. Well, so, but why do you say I'm enamored with them? Um, no, no. Because I can... I, do you not think I know you very But did you so hear well? what she said, dickface? I, I was sitting here, of course. I mean, she went on and on. My when voice she, is perfect. You're the best. You're number one. She went on and on. And when she said it, I looked up and said, oh, Jesus, that's all he needs to hear. That's well, I, great. And it is good. And it may be... It's true. And she feels that way. It's great. Right, but yeah. I know. But what, why does it bother you? Why do the guys me. on my show? Not, you guys should be so happy that that people love us like that. I am happy. That's no, you hate it. You, you, no, and Alec wants to kill himself anytime anybody says something nice about me. He just wants to kill himself, and that was over the top. That I didn't tell her to say any of that. No, we know that. she's Kelly Upping Ripple. It's just you know what the ramifications or what the consequences are. Well, not consequences. That's negative. But the ramifications are. Hey, Lou, you what? It's okay. not like I asked Justin to cut it up right away, did I? No. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just and so specific. Specifically, too. You was okay. Now you know you gotta have the beginning part, and then you gotta get to the part where she said this. Like, bro, you gotta, do, you gotta do that. And then Justin nods. You're like, you gotta do it, right? Are you gonna do well, it? Well, I felt like he wasn't placing it, uh, a lot of importance no, on it. Right. That's what he wants to deal with come Wednesday. <laughs> How come you didn't get it done? <laughs> <laughs> we, we need that three times. I want to play it, and then I'll play it again at night. Well, 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 because to be honest, I thought there was a chance. I thought there was a possibility. She would come on and say something nice, but to shower me, literally shower me for almost two minutes. <laughs> of course, because you timed it probably. Too. It was a minute and 48 seconds. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's, it's great because I like to watch the results take fruition when I, after it's over, like, he can't, he's not going to be listening to no, any no, of over, us. Over. Not going to be listening. Yeah. Kelly, you know, I, Kelly loves me. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly loves I, I used to smoke uh, Parliament cigarettes for many years. <laughs> and that would have been a good time for a Parliament right there. <laughs> would have smoked half the pack. Oh, my God. Because there was that slight chance at 929. You came in. She's not calling. Is she? well, She's not going to call. Don't forget, they, they canceled yesterday, and the publicist is not a big fan of mine, you know. And I was told that Kelly said, no, I really lo- he's great. I love him. And Kelly was the one, despite what her publicist and her inner circle wanted, she was the one who made it happen. And then she came on and said what she said, and, well, the rest is history. So You're not going to hear it again until Wednesday. No, that's it. She's got a couple of days of a break. Get ready for another Kelly week. Oh, my God. You know what? I may just make her my co-host. How about that? Well, Sid, that's great with me. Your voice does it every... Uh, now I can listen to it for four right. hours. That is fantastic. No matter what she says, uh, it's got to be difficult to be with the husband every day. He's a great guy. I know Mark very well. He's a great guy. 
And uh, what is she making? About twenty-two million. Not maybe an issue. I don't know. No, slight, <laughs> slight issue. Maybe she's going to stay at ABC. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll come back and wrap up the week. What after these words? Radio 77 WABC. All right, guys, thank you very much for a great week of radio. Lou Rapino, Justin Alec, Noam Layton, Jimmy Flippin, the whole crew. I'll be back Wednesday. Have yourself an easy fast to my Jewish brethren out there and a safe Yom Kippur. I'm going to go see my mom, Naomi. So until the middle of the week next week, actually. From all of us, you know, and sitting friends in the morning to all of you, everybody. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident.